Welcome to another edition of Campus Life, the college side of the Campus DeCanton podcast here. As always, I'm Colin. And this is Matt. And you're hearing Matt's voice here now. So that means I lied to you guys. Uh, I said Austin was going to be back today. I lied. He did tell me he was not going to be back this week. And like usual, I just didn't listen to what Austin had to say. So hand up. That one's on me. Not going to blame him on this one. But I am joined by Matt today. And I will be joined by Felix here as well uh, a little bit later on in the show. But Matt, thank you as always for filling in and covering me at the last minute. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I've, I've, I'm not going to lie. I actually think Austin will listen to this because I know how much he loves campus life. So I'm just going to say yeah, this and I'm going to, I'm going to pull the Felix and I'm just going to put this out there. I'm, I'm no shame whatsoever. I'm a little offended that it's always you who invites me on these shows and never Austin. <laughs> I don't think I have done a show with Austin yet on any of these. It's always you. You're like, Hey Matt, you want to jump on? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. The only time I get invited on is like to do my quick, pump up Kyle McCord for Heisman and national championship bowl prediction, and then kick me off after a couple of minutes. And that's it. So, so I'm a little offended. Not going to lie. Hey, you know what? I, I try to get, try to get as many people involved here as possible. I've, I've done a couple of solo shows here. Cause I felt like I was leaning on you way too much for, for Canton bound. So I was like, all right, well, let me do a solo show last week. And then I, I didn't want to do two in a row. So I, I appreciate you and, and Felix helping me out yeah. on this one here. Um, yeah. Austin, uh, Austin seems to like to do his his stuff solo. If, if oh, he loves it. Yeah, if I'm not here. Yeah, he loves. He lo- he pretends like he doesn't want to talk and everything. He wants to talk. If if we mm-hmm. could, if he could have an hour show about something college wise every week, he'd do it. He'd do it. Yeah, so I'm just waiting for him to announce that he's kicking you off campus life and it's just going to become the Austin Nate show. He can try. He can try. Unfortunately for him, I have the Streamyard login. I have all the logins behind the scenes, so uh, he he would have a very difficult time kicking me out i'd figure out a way to get back in but uh this episode here that we're going to do is going to be rankings heavy i mean over at the site uh, you know we now have it is uh, as you're listening to this it is tuesday the 17th of january which means the declaration the deadline to declare for the nfl has passed uh so we have all of those guys out of our rankings now anybody who has declared now there are some situations like we were just talking uh pre-show here with guys like john emery jr who is a senior so he doesn't technically have to declare we haven't seen that he's coming back not 100 percent sure what's going on with that but everybody that has declared we got out of the rankings uh i we have a declaration and eligibility tracker up on the website it goes 180 players deep so you can find a very extensive list there we also have all of the rankings updated now with all of the transfer players that have homes. Uh, I'm There's a couple that have declared today that I have not gotten a chance to, to update yet, but that goes about 160 deep. Uh, so huge rankings update here. And yeah. all of us behind the scenes, we've all been been working hard to get these completely overhauled. So we're gonna we're just going to talk rankings the whole show. Started out with some freshmen, then we'll go through each position here. You know, biggest risers, biggest fallers, a sleeper, and one guy who really has something to prove here in the spring uh, across all the positions, except for tight end, because we don't care about tight end. It's Brock Bowers, it's JT Sanders, 
it's Deuce Robinson, it's Michael Trigg, and that's about all we care about. Um, so we'll get into the freshman first here, but before we do, this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great podcasts. You can find all of them on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live, or check out the Friday drops that recap the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. And if you're looking for some additional NFL or college content, uh, head on over to Fantasy Points. Use promo code CAMPUS23. That gets you 10% off of your membership. Uh, that should be live now, and if it's not, it should be live very, very soon. Uh, so you can head on over there and use that. Uh, heading into the freshman here. And Matt, before the show, told me that he uh, he has his own show sheet. He's keeping everything secret. So I have no idea who he's going to be talking about here. Uh, we're going to start with the top impact freshmen. So the freshman that we think is going to have the biggest impact here freshman year. Now, these guys are going to be top of the rankings, guys. Um, I'm assuming, again, haven't seen yours. Mine's a top of the rankings guy. Um, so we'll uh, we'll just kick it right off here. Matt, who you got as your top impact freshman this year? So I actually have five. Um, oh, I okay. think all that fire away be impactful. Um, yeah, I wanted to keep it secret because I wanted to also, I, you know, Felix will be joining us here in a minute and I definitely don't want him to steal my thunders. He's been known to do mm-hmm. of all mm-hmm. of our players. So I want right, to kind of keep mine secret. He's not quite as deep into the yeah. freshman as you are. You are one of the uh, guys helping out a lot on the freshman guide here. So you, uh, your rankings are up on the site. Um, so you have are, are very deep with the freshmen here. So, uh, so what I will say is, if you follow me on Twitter or really any of the stuff that we do here on on Campus to Canton Radio is what I like to call it, the radio channel. Like you, you'll know some of these names because I've talked about them before. But number one, he's got I'll mention in conjunction with a couple other players here later on throughout the show is Dante Moore. Like if you watch that All American Bowl game. I think you could argue he looked like a starting college quarterback in that game. I I think the fact that for those of you who don't know, I mean, started three years. uh, Actually, I'm sorry, started all four years as a varsity starter, entered onto high school as a true freshman and was a starter. That is extremely hard to do. I don't have the rest of his stats pulled up. I thought I had saved him, but it looks like I accidentally deleted that note. But he has like, an extreme, I think he was like 44 and 14 is his overall record. He's back to back national, um, I'm sorry, state championship, incredible touchdown to interception ratio ratio. He's just a very polished product. And, you know, I know Felix has kind of talked about him. I know even Austin brought this up recently. I think it was on last actually campus life's episode brought up that Felix kind of talks about him as a game manager. Like, I think that's his floor, and I think that's what he is right now because we just haven't seen him grow into something. He's also one of the youngest players in the class, and I think that speaks for just how good and how developed he is already. He's going into UCLA with really, in my opinion, just Colin Schley that he has to battle with. And while I think Colin Schley is a fine quarterback, like I think they flipped Dante more for a reason and they want this offense to be something a little bit different. No disrespect to Dorian Thompson Robinson or Marcus Mariota, but none of those guys had the passing chops that Dante Moore has already shown. He's got, he's not even taken a snap in college football. So he's a guy that I think we will see starting at some point in time for UCLA this year. And I think it will be a big deal for them. Uh, yeah, my, I love Dante Moore. Yeah. I, was just, I love Dante Moore. I like Colin Schley too, 
I'm not sure Colin Schley is necessarily talented enough of a guy to keep a guy like Dante Moore off the field long term. So I think that, you know, he is the type of guy who could start by the end of the freshman year, like you were saying. So I like Dante Moore as a top guy, as a top call there. So my next guy is a running back that I have talked a lot about, and that's Cameron Cook. He is going to TCU. He's got Mercado there and Amani Bailey ahead of him. But I don't think either one of those guys are extremely talented. Now, Cook is coming in a little bit undersized, as, as Mike Valerie and, and Austin like to hit me with. I'm this big fan of undersized running backs. Right now listed at 5'10", I believe 190. So he's not super small. It's not at 170 or anything like that. He was listed at 185 in in high school. He's going to be there at TCU. I think he profiles to be a lot like Kendry Miller. He His feet are fantastic, and I think he's got really good burst and excellent vision. He improved from his junior to senior tape. I just don't see a, a locked-in starter in that backfield. And with what TC was able to do this year, I don't think they're going to try and take their foot off the gas pedal. I think they're going to want to try and push for that Big 12 championship again next year. So I expect him to compete for carries in that backfield and, and try at least to it, maybe not take over the starting job, but at least be in that rotation. And I think if that's the case, he could kind of smash and become a very good player for them this year. I love that call. I actually almost listed Cameron Cook as mine. I know you're a big Cameron Cook guy, so I didn't list him. But uh, just one point on uh, Mario DiMarcato, he's actually out of eligibility. Um, oh, he see, was I in the class. Know that. Yeah, he was in the class of 2018, but he uh, he didn't redshirt any years. Um, so gotcha. this year was his redshirt senior year. So he is out of eligibility. It's just Amani Bailey. They did bring in Trey Sanders. But I don't I think either of those guys are – I don't really think either of those guys are, are ta- talented enough to keep Cook off the field. I mean, yeah. he may not end up being the starter day one, but I think by the end of the season, Cook is going to earn a pretty significant role in that backfield. And a backfield that, like you just said, with with Kendry Miller, and like we saw uh, you know, towards the end of the – or in the first uh, playoff game with DiMarcado, you know, he – this is just an offense that supports running backs. Um, yeah. So I, I like that cook call too. Yeah. I mean, even with Trey Sanders there, I mean, they're completely different running backs too. Yeah. So like I could see those guys being able to split the backfield. They do have Corey Wren there still, I believe who a lot of people like last year. I, I thought he was an interesting player, but I do think Cameron Cook's better. So I do think he, he's got a shot um, to kind of take over or not take over and be the number one, but at least be a factor in that offense. Um, my next guy is also another running back. It's Ruben Owens. You know, I honestly thought he was going to be the starter for Louisville. He ends up flipping and going to Texas A&M. I don't see anybody really standing in his way. I mean, I know we all like Le'Veon Moss, and I think that both those guys could split that backfield. We've seen Jimbo do that. He just doesn't give his running backs 200 carries. I mean, even this year, Devin Achain, 190. You have to go all the way back to one year of Dalvin Cook for him to have given a running back 200 carries. I think Ruben... Ruben Owens comes in as an older prospect as well. He he was on the old, uh, I want to say he was already 20-something years old. So, like, he comes in already body-adjusted to the college side of things. He's an explosive runner. I do think he profiles to be a little bit different than Le'Veon Moss. So, I expect him to be the guy, not like, uh, what was it, Amari Daniels or is it is it Crownover, I think, is the other guy that, that's there with Texas a yeah. if he's still there. I don't think either one of those guys are stopping Owens from getting on the field. So I expect him and Le'Veon Moss to split a lot. So he could be another one. Um, And then one more that I've got is Brandon Ennis. 
And okay. I know Austin talked a little bit about him on Campus Life last week, so I won't go too deep into that. But, you know, that, that class last year really disappointed. You saw it in that game with Dante Moore, his quarterback, just what he can do. He's not going to start over, you know, uh, Marvin Harrison, Mecca, or Julian Fleming, who will all be back next year. But I don't think it's unfair to say that he might be coming in better than any of the wide receivers they have there. And I like Ballard. I like Grays. I think Ennis is going to come in and find a way to carve out a role. He's probably not going to be a massive producer, but I think he's going to, I'll call my shot now. I think he's going to be much like Luther Burden last year and that he's going to break a bunch of the year one zeros, if not all of them, because he's also a really good kick and punt returner. He took multiple punts to uh, to the house for American Heritage, who plays really good competition. I believe they're top 12 competition in high school strength of schedule um, in, his, uh, in, in Florida. And he's also done that on kickoff returns as well. So I think he's going to break all of, or at least most of the year one zeros this year as a freshman. That's really interesting note on Brandon Innes there. I, I I like him a lot. He's my wide receiver four, um, I believe in the class. So, you know, like him, love the landing spot there, but we did just see what three uh, freshmen come in. in in Ohio state's class last year. Now they weren't quite as highly rated as this year's, crop but we just saw three of them come in and none of them broke the year one zero mark uh they have a they have a pretty set trio it seems like at at wide receiver this year uh with um, Fleming when he's healthy and then Egbuka and Harrison Jr so you think this would probably require Ennis to jump all three of those guys from last year you think that's something he can do I do. Uh, like I said, I loved Gray's. I don't think any of those other guys were really that special. I, mean, I, I did like Caleb Burton, but you saw it and you heard about it through spring. He's still struggling for coming back to that injury, which makes me think it was not just your typical ACL. I wonder if he tore multiple muscles, unfortunately, or ligaments in that knee, um, and they just said it was an ACL because I, I'm almost positive, and, and I know big wide receiver guys listens to this, so he'll probably be able to correct me. I want to say he caught him over 20 miles per hour in his junior season, and then after the injury, I don't think he's gone over like barely over 19. That's a big loss right there, miles per hour, and he just hasn't looked the same from all the reports from Ohio State. I think he's better than most of those guys. And to be honest, I think he's better than Jaden Ballard, too. And and the one thing we can say is, like, Fleming struggles to stay on the field. Ennis is not just a slot receiver. He can play outside, too. So Ennis is a guy I think is going to play really good on special teams, a lot like Mecca did. When he first got on the field, it was that special team stuff, and all of a sudden he started making those plays, and you slowly started to see him get worked into the rotation, and then he started making plays down the end of the season, and I think Ennis can do that same thing because the one thing I will say with Ohio State, whether it's Kyle McCord or Devin Brown, whoever you think is going to be the starter, this is not the same team we've looked at the past couple years. There's issues on the offensive line. We don't know what that running attack is going to be, and as much as I do think Kyle McCord, who I expect to win the job, is going to be a very good quarterback, it's realistically what you're look, you looked at when C.J. Stroud started his first year last season. There's a lot of questions there in what this offense could look like, so I don't think they're pulling them out of games anytime soon, which means those second wide receivers and those third wide receivers are going to be in there with the starting quarterback, Kyle McCord, and I think that only helps those guys being on the field with that. It's true. That's a good point. Um, not, to, not to get too far off on a tangent there, but Kyle McCord, Heisman love? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, you look, look. Did you put that future down yet? Two, two years in a row. Actually, I did. Bia said me and me and Moxley talked about him and Quinn Ewers. I put, put my money where my mouth was on both those guys. I'm, I'm going to win. One of those okay. guys is winning the highs from the 2023. But yeah, I actually, uh, 
predicted that on I think BS one of BSN's timeouts. They asked what's your bold prediction for 2023, and I said Kyle McCord leads Ohio State to a national championship and wins a Heisman along the way. So okay, it's gonna look uh, really we- bad if Devin Brown wins this job, <laughs> but you know we'll see what happens. Well, was, we had a, a bit of a discussion in the company Slack today about yep. you know Kyle McCord, Devin Brown. Um, that you know people were weighing in with their thoughts on the percentages. Yep. Uh, what what percentage you put it at? as our Ohio state insider here, man, it's, it's so tough. Like I go back and forth on this one and I hate to go off on like an Ohio state tangent is on the reason we have like right. the one, one star review on the channel because I talk <laughs> too much Ohio state. Uh, but the one thing that if, if you had asked me this, I don't know, four months ago, I would have told you like 85% Kyle McCord. The one thing that worries me is Devin Brown is much more mobile than Kyle McCord is. And I feel like after everything we've seen the past couple years in college, that I know Ryan Day doesn't want his quarterbacks to run, but I do think from everything I'm hearing, he wants to start moving at least toward more mobile quarterbacks that can create out of structure. And we saw how well CJ looked in that Georgia game. As much as I love Kyle, I do think Devin Brown can create out of structure better than he can, which if he, if they play close, does Ryan Day go with the experience and the veteran upside of a comic court, or does he go with the young, you know, gunslinger and Devin Brown who can run and create out of structure? I really don't know. So, like right now, I'm gonna drop it 10% and say 75-25 comic court. I still think being there two years in that system, it's a very complicated system. I just think that gives him a massive leg up. You know, we we saw him go in in the end of a lot of those games where Devin Brown, I think, only took like eight snaps this season. Like you need live reps to be able to, you can only do so much in practice, especially as the third string quarterback, the second string quarterbacks barely get any run. So I, I do think that gives McCord a massive advantage. I do think it's one of those things where like he has to lose the job. I don't think Devin Brown can necessarily win it and take it. I think Kyle's going to have to lose it. Okay. Good to know. I think this is one of those things that's going to extend all the way into fall. I don't think we're going to get an answer because even if he is leaning McCord or if days leaning McCord at the end of spring, I think that, the backup quarterback position there is shoddy without Brown. So you got to do everything you can to keep them both there. I don't think Devin's leaving. Even if Kyle gets the job, I know that's insane for people to think about with the transfer portal, but everything I've heard is it's the same thing with Lincoln Kineholz. I know we, we kind of talked a lot in our Slack channel about how, we thought it was a weird decision for him to flip from Washington to Ohio State because we love the landing spot for Washington. And Mark uh, Paust did an amazing article on this. I hope you guys go read it. It's up on the website. You know, he talked about how difficult of a call that was to have with Kalen DeBoer to de- decommit from Washington, go to Ohio State. Corey Dennis and Ryan Day are just doing a really great job of selling like, hey, I only need one year with you. I'm going to make you a polished quarterback. I'm going to get you out there. All you're going to need is one year. You're going to be a first-round draft pick. And I think these guys truly believe that. And if Kyle McCord is able to do that, like I really don't think Devin Brown's going anywhere because then he's going to be like, all right, I'm next guy up. And then Lincoln Kyle is going to be, I'm the next guy up because Dylan Rayola ain't coming anymore. And I don't know what 24 quarterback they're going to go get. So like, I, I actually don't think any of those guys are leaving. They, they are bought in. And you can knock that for as much as you want, but whatever they're doing, whatever they're putting in the Kool-Aid up there at Ohio State, it's getting they're these guys, it. they're drinking it and they're staying committed. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we'll get back on track here with the freshman. Uh, that tangent was my fault. I was pro asking probing questions. I was very curious. Um, my top impact freshman here, I only had one, but 
it's a it's a joint and that is Jonte Cook and DeAndre Moore Jr. I think both of those guys will have the opportunity to make a, a significant impact here at Texas freshman year. Um, the wide receiver room there is pretty thin. Isaiah Nayor is going to be coming back from an injury. Who knows uh, when he's going to be back, how, you know, how healthy he'll be. He was also a G5 to P5 transfer. He came from Wyoming beforehand. So there's obviously that question about the jump in competition there as well. They have Jordan Whittington, who is fine. I'm assuming he's coming back. But beyond that, and Xavier Worthy, that room is really shallow. So I think there's an opportunity for both of these guys to make an impact early. I think Jonte Cook is pro- is a pretty much a foregone conclusion at this point. I think a lot of people are assuming he's going to, if not be a starter, be a significant uh, role player right off the jump and then work his way probably into a starting role. I think we could see something similar from DeAndre Moore, where I think he's going to build up and work into a bigger role as the season goes on. But it, we like people have been talking about lately. You guys talked about it on Debbie debate. Uh, Mike talked about it on back to Debbie. Xavier worthy has been dealing with some drops the past couple of years. And that has to be frustrating for. He I'm sure loves throwing to a guy who's as, as dynamic and fast as Xavier worthy. There were some drops that cost them some games Maybe he develops a little bit of a rapport with uh, with Cook and more. I don't know, uh, but I think that there's an opportunity for both of those guys to be impact freshmen, and I think they're both good enough to. Um, Jonte Cook is a top five wide receiver. DeAndre Moore is what, what right around ten, I think, right? Yeah, ten to twelve. Yeah. So these guys are both very good prospects. So I think there's an opportunity for both of them. Yeah, I, I love that call. I mean, I have Jonte Cook ahead of, much to a lot of people's chagrin, I have him ahead of Xavier Worthy. I just I think he's going to be really good this year. I, I think, you know, me and Moxley talked a lot about this on the Better Sports Network. Uh, we do it on Fridays now um, with the season over. And I even posted about this on Twitter. If you dive into the advanced stats, Quinn Ewers was a lot better than people give him credit for. And I'm not trying to say that he was great. He was not. He definitely had some bad moments. But again, you talk about a kid who didn't play for two seasons. We give passes to Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, first-round picks all of a sudden. Didn't play for two straight years, and this kid comes out there, hasn't played in two straight years, and you look at the advanced stats and actually has a really good season, and everybody thinks Texas is going to take another step back. I don't think so. I think he's going to be really good next year. Improved offensive line as well, and I think adding a guy like Jonte Cook is going to be big. I mean, Whittington is coming back. They didn't use him a lot in the receiving. He was more of this like blocker out there, and that's what he was getting a lot of recognition for. And them talking about him possibly going to the draft. So I'm I love the cook call. I'll be interested to see what Moore does because I think he's a tad raw. I love the way he plays. Like he plays with a very aggressive mindset that I personally like in my wide receivers. But I I would love it because then that just means that I'm going to be right that Xavier Worthy is not going to be great this year more than likely, and I'll be taking many victory laps at the end of the season. So. <laughs> Victory laps from Matt Bruning. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen it. Nah, um, I, I, you know, I, I'm a humble guy. I try to, you know, try to just, you know, live in my humility. Every yeah, once you, in a while, you deflect. You give out. a lot of, uh, you, you give a lot of credit to other people where credits due. Uh, very, very rare to take credit for yourself. So, uh, well, it's coming. Think, this is gonna, this is gonna be the year of Matt with Quinn Ewers and Kyle McCord, my friend. I'm gonna be, <laughs> I, I've been gaining a lot of followers lately. There's a lot of them who are gonna be leaving when they see the <laughs> warpath I go on here on Twitter this year. Matt going full scorched earth 
on everybody who ever doubted him. Um, all right, next freshman topic here. Freshmen who are going to require some patience. These are guys that we like. We like their skill set, but for one reason or another, be it depth chart, be it raw, be it something else, it's going to require some patience for these guys to hit the role and the ceiling that we expect them to. So if you're not hearing great news, don't be too overreactionary on these guys. Um, who are the guys that you have listed here? Yeah, so I went three quarterbacks here because running backs, I think a lot of people have patience with them anyways because they don't always expect them to start year one. And wide receivers, it's kind of hard to ask people to have patience with them now, especially with like how great the year one zero theory has proven with Austin and Chris. So like, I feel like if they don't hit at least one of those thresholds, people bail on them anyways. And, and realistically the stats show that they probably won't unfortunately turn out to be much. Right. So that it is, it's kind of warranted to move on. So I just went three quarterbacks that I think have a lot of upside that you probably won't see a ton out of this year. And it's three guys that I've talked about a lot, so I won't go too long on them. Um, Aiden Childs going to Oregon state. You know, I, I know a lot of people are talking about how he doesn't have like the best velocity. The dude broke his throwing wrist and arm as a junior. I definitely think that set him back. He literally just turned 18 a couple weeks ago, guys. Like he's 18 years old going into college. Like he's got time to develop. He's got the frame. He's already, I think, what, 6'3, 185. So uh, he can add some weight getting into a college weight program. And he's going to sit a year behind DJU. Even if he doesn't end up becoming an NFL player, which I think he could possibly do, if you go look at what Jonathan, Jonathan Smith has been able to do at Oregon State and the quarterbacks he's had from Ben Branson to Chance Nolan to I don't even remember who it was before Chance Nolan, but he wasn't good either. Extremely successful, and he's been good with those quarterbacks because of that. I think he's extremely underrated as an offensive head coach. And I do think that he will be able to kind of thrive, whether it's just a couple of years as a CFF quarterback or not. My next one is my guy, Austin Novosad, going to Oregon. You know, I would have loved, obviously, him going to Baylor more. I think he would have been able to compete and possibly win that job this year um, as the quarterback uh, for Baylor. But the flip to Oregon, I love. Like, I think Will Stein's offense is extremely good at UTSA. And I think Novosad fits that really well as well. On top of, Look at all the weapons they've been able to get around and will be around Austin Novosad with the top offensive line, which is what he needs. He's a very good like pocket manipulator, and I think he's got a great arm. And again, same thing as Aiden Childs. Like, he's going to sit this year behind Bo Nix and just get to learn that offense. I don't think they're going to recruit over him, and as much as I was right there with you on the level of Ty Thompson, I just don't think he's it at this point. For whatever reason, it hasn't worked out, and I think Novosad's going to be the guy moving forward. So he he's my next guy. And then last but not least, Sam Levitt going to Michigan State. Probably not going to start this year, and I hate the landing spot and the fact that, like, I loved Kaden Hauser last year, but I just think Sam Levitt's better. Uh, but it, it's it's the same thing. Whether it's Peyton Thorne, who I don't even know if he's declared or if they said he's coming back. He's kind of think one he's of those coming guys. back. He's not good, but even if he comes back, like him and Noah Kim are probably the starters this year. Sam Levitt, I think, has a shot to be a really good college quarterback and be a very very good NFL quarterback. He's just got all the tools. Late bloomer really sprung on in his senior season. I got a chance to watch a lot of him at Westland this year live, and I think he's going to be really special, but he's probably not doing much this year. So he's another guy just going to have to sit. You draft him early and just know you're not going to be able to play him this year, but I would almost guarantee he'll be a starter next year and probably a guy you'll be able to start most weeks because the talent they've also put around him in Coleman, and I love the wide receiver they're bringing in and Jalen Smith with him as well. 
Yeah, Jalen Smith under the radar wide receiver here who they highlighted on the official this past week on some of their biggest risers um, between the junior and senior tape. So I, I like the call on all three of those guys. I love all three of those guys' game. Um, also, Novosad's the one that I have the highest. I think he, going to Oregon is going to give him the best opportunity out of those three to be a future potential NFL quarterback. I also think he probably has the best tools overall. Um, you know, both all, not that's not to knock Childs or Levitt's tools. Uh, I think they all three have very good tools. Um, Novosad would be my highest one. I want to ask you about Childs, though. My biggest concern with Childs is. I don't know yet if he's going to be an NFL guy. I think he has the opportunity to. But Oregon State definitely is not known for producing NFL quarterbacks. Yeah. But if he at or at Oregon State, you kind of have to hope he becomes an NFL guy because I don't think he's going to put up a lot of points for CFF. Do you? I actually do. So if you look at and this is going to be it's a very, very small sample size. So just kind of go with me here for a minute. If you go back, we to love 20, small sample sizes. I do, I do, because it helps prove <laughs> a point, uh, at least a small one. The after the 2021 season, Chance Nolan was a top, I believe, 15 CFF quarterback for like three weeks, and it was be- mostly because of his rushing. With Aiden Childs has in spades, like that yes. dude can run. The arm talent, I think, is going to get there. The Hard thing to get with him is so we did big wide receiver guy. I don't know how he does it. It's way above my head. I'm not that smart. He has ways to track the max velocity of the throws. And and Aiden Childs, every time he's tracked him, has just not been good. The issue I have is anybody who's seen him in person says that the ball pops out of his hand and he's got incredible velocity. So I don't know where the disconnect is on that because I'm going to use another one for me is Austin Novosad. We've got a couple guys here who say he has no velocity whatsoever. I had a chance to watch him at the Dallas regional. He outshined Jackson Arnold in a massive way. When, when I'm talking throwing off, like it's stuff he, he doesn't show a lot on tape, but like throwing off his back foot, throwing on the run and the way the ball, like 15, 20 yards down the field on a line and hits the wide receiver's hands, and you hear it pop. That's velocity, folks. Like, that's not a just a nice, easy catch. Like, he was smacking him in the hands. Like, you could see the velocity there in his throws, but then when you watch it on tape, it's hard to find those throws. So I think that's where, you know, the K Klubnik argument that we had last year, you know, Alan True said, hey, in person, this dude looks so much different than on tape. I'm relying a lot on what I've seen in person with Austin Novosad and what other people have said about seeing in person with Aiden Childs. Cause I'll admit he does throw some ducks sometimes. Like there's no question about it. There are some, but that dude's just, in my opinion, he's got the frame and I do think he'll get the arm talent. And, and I do think he could be like, even if he doesn't play this year, could be a three year CFF guy for, for Jonathan Smith. Cause you know, as I, I said, just a minute ago, like his, Ability to shape all, I think he's a very underrated offensive mind. His ability to shape his offenses around his quarterbacks who have not been good in Bengal Branson and Chance Nolan has been incredible. Now he's got guys with actual tools in DJ and Aiden Childs moving forward. Like, I think they'll be very productive. I think he does have a shot at the NFL. It probably is a long shot, but if he develops with his ability to rush, he's already got the size. If he's able to develop some of that arm strength back after breaking his arm, like, I do think he's got a shot to be an NFL guy. It's interesting. Um, I mean, like I said, Oregon State, not known for producing quarterbacks, but Jonathan Smith has done a fantastic job there with them. He's gotten them 
top 25 finish this year, put them back on the national relevancy. They got DJU. So, you know, who's to say you can't buck that trend. Um, my freshman who requires patience here is Cam Seldon. Um, he's a guy I'm very high on, uh, just an uber, uber athlete. At He's over 220 pounds, and he runs a uh, was like a 22 miles per hour or something like that. Yeah, yeah I, want, I want to say it's like close to 22.7 with Cardale Russell. Like He's one of the fastest guys in this class. Yeah, and, and there's the list of players that run uh, that fast at that size is very, very small. It's like Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, Bo Jackson, um, guys like that. So he has the size and the athleticism. He was just used in a variety of different ways in high school against very poor competition. He was just always the best athlete out there. And very often the, one of the biggest players out there, even when you look at some of the linemen. Um, so not a great competition level. He never really had to develop his skills and, and refine his technique at any position. So going to Tennessee obviously produces a, it gives him a great opportunity for fantasy production on the college side. So that uh, when, and if, and when he earns the role there, I think he could have a, be a phenomenal fantasy producer uh, at Tennessee. He has the size and the speed going to be coming from an sec program. He'll have an opportunity to be drafted pretty highly. I think the thing that's going to require patience for him is one. He needs to figure out what position he's going to end up playing they have him listed at wide receiver on the depth chart right now. So that's kind of where we are assuming he's going to play. I would prefer him at running back. I think he's a better running back. I don't see the, I don't see much technique for, at the wide receiver position at all. Uh, whereas a runner that he does show some flashes, he, you know, he has some vision at times patients could use some work, um, but he, he can identify some cutback lanes and stuff. And, and once he gets into the open field, there you go. I mean, it's it's over. So he has all the potential in the world. He's just a ball of clay right now. We need, and we don't even necessarily know what position he's going to be in the long term. So I'm going to be investing in Cam Seldon, but it is going to come at a risk, and it is going to require patience because I don't think he's going to do very much this year. Yeah, he he could realistically not making the comparison to player at all, but just kind of the way it worked out is he could very much be Jalen Hyatt. And like he yeah. just sits on your bench for two years and does absolutely nothing. And then all of a sudden the third year just breaks out. The you mentioned it that like the not knowing what he's gonna be at the college level is my biggest concern with him because he is an incredible athlete. And I'm with you. He should definitely go to running back. And this dude has no like idea of what a wide receiver is in my opinion like yeah. he he doesn't know how to get out of breaks he doesn't run routes it's, it's almost backyard football uh when he plays and, and he for those of you who don't know he played at northumberland so good luck trying to find that on a map because if you watch his games live it doesn't even look like he's playing on a real football field there's like one set of bleachers there's nothing but it looks like a horror movie where like the aliens are about <laughs> to come out of the forest and, and start this whole thing so it's it's really he, when colin says that he was by far the best athlete on the field it's no joke he's playing like farmers sons and daughters well i should say daughters <laughs> farmers sons like it was it was ridiculous the, the competition he was playing so definitely an incredible athlete but yeah he's he's definitely a ball of play right now that needs to be molded in a major way
Yeah, Northumberland, Virginia. There's a, a Northumberland, yeah, Pennsylvania that's very close to where I grew up. It's probably about 20 minutes away, which would also fit that exact same description that you just gave. So, so she shouldn't even have said it. She's just been everybody could be like, well, which one is it? This neither <laughs> one of these is very promising. No, no, absolutely not. Um, so that all right, that's gonna do it for our freshman talk here. We'll move into the quarterback position. Uh, with quarterback here, we'll do um, you know our biggest risers, biggest fallers, a sleeper, and then somebody who needs to you know, has something to prove here in the spring. Um, we'll start off with the risers, and I think there's there, with all the coaching movement and all of the transfers, there's a lot of candidates here for this. So I'm interested to hear who you went with some of your biggest risers. So I've got two freshmen on here. So I'll start with those first. One of them is, is Austin Novosad, just based on what I said earlier and what I do think that he could end up being in that Oregon offense. The other is Malachi Nelson. And, you know, we could have put him on here too as a guy you need to be patient with. Austin, I know I said it on here before, he chastised me on early signing day when I said, you know, think about taking Cedric Baxter at one. You want to be invested in the Lincoln Riley quarterback, and that's going to be Malachi Nelson next year. He's a guy yeah. that I believe – Right now, I don't have my rankings pulled up in front of me, but I'm pretty sure I have him. I know I have him in my top 10. I think he's QB7 right now. Like, I'm willing to take that dude extremely early. Like, I think you've said it before too, Colin. I agree with you. He's the best quarterback I've watched in like the past three or four years. Like, and what is so impressive about him too is we actually have him as one of the top guys in this class in in velocity throws, but you watch him throw the ball. And it's very much what I would say is almost like, Aaron Rodgers asking that like it's just this like very easy flick of the wrist but it fires in there it doesn't look like it like it's just such an easy smooth delivery but the ball gets there extremely quick like he's an extremely polished quarterback and then you add in the weapons he has around him like he's going to be really good the last one for me is Connor Wiggins He's jumped all the way up into my top 10 as well. Um, you know, adding Bobby Petrino in here as the offensive coordinator, I think they are going to throw the ball more. He's got Evan Stewart, really good offensive line. You know, I expect Texas A&M to take a, a I, I say massive step forward, where they only win four games this year, three games. Like, I do think that they'll be closer to nine or 10 uh, again this year. And I think with what we saw, granted, limited sample size, it was really only like one and a half, maybe two games where he looked good. He looked really bad at times as well, but given a full spring off season and, and, and being the only one taking the one here or the snaps with the ones, I think Connor Wigman's in for taking a massive step forward. Yeah. I, I Connor Wigman was a guy that I liked as a prospect. I didn't love him going to Texas A&M. I didn't love the situation there. I did think he was the most talented quarterback on that roster, but Haynes King was there. He had sec starting experience. Max Johnson was there. He had SEC starting experience. Turns out it doesn't matter. They both were just absolutely terrible. And Connor Wigman came in, had some uh, some some decent production production there this year. I'm definitely interested to see what he's going to be doing with Bobby Petrino at the helm because something that Austin brought up, I'm pretty sure it was on Debbie Debate this past week, um, but he, it was something that he mentioned, and that's that Bobby Petrino coming into Texas A&M carries a certain amount of weight as a coach that other players and other coaches uh, that other coaches don't have. Bobby Petrino was an NFL head coach. Now it did not end well, did not particularly go well, but he was an NFL head coach. So, and that's going to carry a little bit of weight. So he has the ability to tell Jimbo, no, shut up. I'm doing this my way. 
And I imagine that there had to have been an element of that in him agreeing to come there because I think they're both strong personalities. So I love the Connor Wigman call. I have him as a top 10 QB. He's right at number 10 for me. I also love the Novosag call there as well. So uh, I think those are uh, two great options there for risers. Um, my risers, I picked three. The first one I have here is Ty Simpson. Uh, he is my QB nine. So he is just ahead of Connor Wigman. Um, and I, I go back and forth. Currently, I have Dante Moore and Arch Manning ahead of Ty Simpson. I kind of go back and forth of whether I would put Ty Simpson ahead of those two or not. That's a tight cluster there for me. But I'm going to keep Ty Simpson there for now. He was a five-star quarterback in last year's class, quarterback at Alabama. It is going to be a battle between him and Jalen Milrow, but I think it's kind of an air quotes battle because Jalen Milrow did not look particularly good uh, in the couple starts that he had this year in relief of Bryce Young when he was injured. We didn't get the chance to see Ty Thompson. He was pretty raw coming in, so it doesn't really surprise me. Uh, I, I think he has the leg up here in the battle for the Alabama quarterback, and Vegas does too because he has significantly better Heisman odds than uh, Jalen Milrow. It, Ty Simpson's at plus 2,500. Jalen Milrow's at plus 50,000. Yeah. So it's not particularly close. And the only reason I think Jalen Milrow's on there is just because he's an Alabama quarterback, so they probably hedge a little bit. But the Alabama quarterbacks, just year after year, recently they've been putting them in first-round NFL draft picks. And I, I think that Ty Simpson has all the skills that he could be able to do that as well. So he's a guy that I think has high Devi potential. I also think he has some CFF potential there too because he has mobility with his legs. He can get out and he can move around. Um, he is more likely to take off than what Bryce Young was. He's yeah. not as, nearly as good of a passer, but we don't care that much about that for CFF. I mean, I think his legs will make up that gap. So I think Ty Simpson could also be a CFF starter for you, if not a CFF QB1. You're going to get two years of that production before he heads off and is probably a, a first-round NFL draft pick. So Ty Simpson at number nine for me is my first one there. The second one is a guy that I'm actually probably still too low on, honestly. And he debuted. It was, I don't even remember where he was, but it was very low for me last year. It's Riley Leonard, the quarterback at a Duke. I have him as my quarterback 40 right now. And I might even move him up a little bit because he last year finished as the QB eight in terms of uh, overall fantasy points. So he was very, very productive. He actually had more fantasy points than Michael Penix, than Hendon Hooker. Now, Hendon Hooker did you know, miss a couple games at the end of the year, um, but he had more fantasy points than Max Dugan. So he was very productive last year. I don't know what the NFL future is there for him. He definitely needs to develop as a passer, but I'm not ranking him at QB 40 for his NFL hope. I'm ranking him there because he's going to have the opportunity to be a top 10 uh, fantasy producer on the college side again. And he should at, ve at very worst be a QB one um, for your CFF squad. So he was a guy that I had way too low and I don't really hear enough people talking about. Um, I'm not super plugged into the CFF community, so they might be hyping him up or they might start to. But I, Riley Leonard's a guy that I like a lot. 
And then my last one that I have is Caden Salter, uh, quarterback at Liberty. Uh, he is a guy that we've just kind of been waiting on for a long time. He was a pretty high recruit. I think he was like right around QB 10 uh, in his class when he went to Tennessee. He never even stepped on the field there. Kind of had some knucklehead moments. Um, and he got dismissed from the team. Ends up at Liberty. Sat for a year. He played a little bit this year. Got banged up. But in comes uh, Jamie Chadwell, the quarterback from Coastal Car- or the coach from Coastal Carolina who just produced a hyper-efficient offense with Grayson McCall, a quarterback that I think there's some similarities between his game and Salter's game. They're both pretty mobile. Uh, They both have a solid arm. So I think we could see Caden Salter put up similar numbers to Grayson McCall in this offense. Now they'll need to get kind of the wide receiver position figured out because Demario Douglas, the leader in that wide receiver room last year for Liberty, is off to the NFL. Noah Frith. I think is how you pronounce his name is probably looking like the lead guy there. And he's somebody that I know nothing about, Uh, but they do bring back day, day Hunter. So day, day Hunter, Caden Salter, that rushing attack could be pretty good. And that could lead to Caden Salter being really uh, valuable for CFF purposes. So Caden Salter climbed my rankings. He's up at QB 45 right now. So I know nothing about Noah Frith either, except for the fact that he finished fairly highly in weighted dominator rating, dominator rating average, and I believe reception market share. I was doing a lot of research for some stuff earlier uh, this weekend, and he popped up on the wide receiver stuff. And I was like, what the? I thought it was Noah Fafita at first. And I was like, that's a quarterback. <laughs> and then I realized that that's who it is. And I'm going to be honest, I had no idea he even played for Liberty. But now I know that you said that that's why that stuck out to me. Uh, Interesting. I should say um, Ty Simpson was in my, you know, others to be mentioned category. He is up at QB nine for me. He made a massive okay. jump as, as Moxley called me out at our QB summit. I believe I had him and Cade Klubnik down at like QB 60 to start the season. Both those guys are up in my top 15. So those probably could have been bigger risers for me as well. And I do want to say, I really like Riley Leonard. I actually have him as QB 24 right now. So I, I moved him up okay. a lot. He was, I need to probably, move him up too, probably. He, I think he was probably down around QB 60 like uh, you for, for he was for me as well. And I m- bumped up to because even as you mentioned, even if he doesn't go to the NFL, a couple more seasons of that kind of production on the CFF side, I think it's worth taking that high. So you just talked me into it. I'm moving him up um, at least another 10 spots. I just put him ahead of my um, C- other CFF options in that group, like Brendan Armstrong, John Reese Plumley, Garrett Schrader, Cam Rising. So I put him ahead of them. He's right behind the rookie cluster for me right now. Aiden Childs, Sam Levitt, Lincoln Kynholz, Jaden Rashada, oh. Austin Novasad. Interesting. So I, I have Childs behind him. He's hanging out there right now for them. I, I'll have to look into a little bit more post-show, but expect these to be updated tomorrow. And actually, my rankings will all be updated by the time you're listening to this. I kind of do mine on a separate sheet and then just copy paste everything into like our actual rankings thing, because it's just easier for me to kind of keep it organized if I do it on a separate sheet and I put them into like kind of buckets, each player. So like high end Debbie asset and a high end CFF asset or just a high-end Debbie guy, or, you know, mix of both, or, or you know, the, like I put them into all sorts of different buckets like that. So that mm-hmm. kind of helps me to keep it visually 
cleaner and then I just move them on over. So they will all be updated for me tomorrow. Mine will not be updated all tomorrow, but they will be by the end of this week. I'm still working through because the worst part, I'm like for to give a look behind the scenes here, it is a very complicated sheet. Yeah. And so the way I, because I don't do it that way, maybe I should start doing that. We're like, I'll go through it and then I'll catch a guy. And I'm like, nah, he should not be this low. And then I start moving him up. Yep. Then I feel like I moved him up too far. So I'm trying to move him back down. It, it takes a lot of working and playing with. So like, I feel like my quarterbacks, I'm good with and most of my running backs, but I don't even think I've removed all of the uh declared guys out of my wide receivers yet and moves from the transfer portal guys like i'm still working on those but my goal is by friday completely updated i know it won't be the last one because i know <laughs> someone hasn't even touched their rankings yet so i'm, I'm good <laughs> i got time but i'll have them by friday for sure no names no names but no, not at all yeah i yeah i have to do it that because i would do the same i do the same thing that you do where i'll see a guy i'll go through and i'll look just through the list and then i would be like oh this guy needs to move up and then i'd move him too far and then it's move him down it's like it's a tough balance there so like midway through the year i just was like screw it i'm gonna put a whole separate sheet do it this way and then just copy paste everything in and then just do the minor tweaks from there yeah that that might be what i have to do like i said it's it's so because like you'll you'll move a player up and be like oh this dude deserves to be top 20 and then i'll throw him in my top 20 and then i'm going through other guys i'm like nah actually this guy probably deserves to drop down even more and so you're like fighting to kind of figure out where those guys need to go yeah i i I agree it's 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 a pro it is a i don't want to say painstaking process but it is some like updating the rankings behind the scenes is uh it, it is it does take a little while yeah um so the next here, well, we'll talk a little bit about the uh, QB fallers. Um, two to three, each of those here. Who do you got as some of your QB fallers? All right, so my QB fallers, uh, number one, Cam Rising. Uh, I think that he got clearly a bad draft grade back and the fact that he's going back. And if we're also being honest, he wasn't as good as I think we all expected him to be this year. I think I had him top 20 coming into the season. Just didn't produce well for you. CFF. I don't really see any future NFL upside there. Like maybe he's a backup quarterback for a couple of years. So at this point, like I don't see any reason to have him that high in my rankings at all. Cause I don't think he produces for you on the CFF side. Next up as much as, I'm just going to say it like he was right about this player at first, but I don't know what to do with him. Is Tyler Van Dyke. I, I don't know what to do with him anymore. Yep. He was a top 15 quarterback for me. Josh Gad is still calling that offense. I don't know what these wide receivers are going to be like here at Miami. I actually expect they'll lean heavier on the run with Trevante citizen this year. Is there an NFL future there? Maybe, but I think he's got to go out on the field and actually show us more. And I don't know that he's going to get that opportunity. So I've dropped him down a little bit as well. Uh, and then my last one, and this goes to the Dante Moore talk we had earlier, it's Colin Schley. I mean, a week ago, he was very high up in my rankings after the season he had, and it's sitting there like, hey, dude, this guy's coming over to Chip Kelly's offense. He's going to be, you know, your Dor- new Dorian Thompson Robinson. Like, I'm all excited about him. And then I watched Dante Moore go out there and absolutely sling it the way he did in the All-American Bowl, and I'm just like, he's just a better quarterback. I don't know how Colin Schley keeps him off the field all year. So at this point, like, I've just got to keep him down. So I, he dropped down my rankings in a massive way as well. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, I Colin Schley did drop down mine. I'm still operating under the assumption that he's going to start at the beginning of the year here. We'll see how it ends up. Um, but yeah, I, I, those are, are great calls on fallers. Um, my three 
fallers I have um, kind of goes the first one kind of goes hand in hand with Caden Salter being one of my big risers is Grayson McCall as a faller. I mean, going from that system that Jamie Chadwell was running that was very good for CFF purposes. Now he's coming in Tim Beck, the offensive coordinator from uh, North Carolina State. That system that he ran was not that great. It wasn't really conducive to fantasy purposes. I think we saw Devin Leary kind of will that offense um, two years ago into a level that maybe it shouldn't have been at. And we didn't see them be able to repeat that this year. So I don't like that offense for fantasy purposes. I don't think Grayson McCall is an NFL quarterback. I know that he has some people out there who are are fans of his on the NFL side. He has a couple of tools, but I just I don't see it for him. So if he's not doing anything for me on the NFL side, he's not doing anything for me on college anymore. Now that Jamie Chadwell is gone, uh, he fell really far for me. Um, I'm actually even trying to see if I can find where he's at. He is down in the 70s for me now. So uh, very, very low. I, I probably will not. I don't have him anywhere, but I probably wouldn't pick him up anywhere either. Uh, the next up is a faller for me is Spencer Sanders, uh, quarterback, Oklahoma State. And, you know, he was very productive from a fantasy purpose uh, on on the CFF side uh, under uh, Gundy at Oklahoma State. He's in the portal now and he has no landing spot. I haven't heard any rumors of a landing spot for him. I have no idea what is going on with him. There's so many other quarterbacks that have come in the portal and left in the time that he's been in there. And there's, there's nothing on Sanders. So I have no idea where he's going to end up, but unless he goes to the Mac, which I have a hard time seeing him do, I have a hard time seeing him end up in a better situation for fantasy than what Oklahoma state provided. So he's a guy who fell um, pretty much just as far as uh, as Grayson McCall for me. Spencer Sanders is down in the 20s or 70s as well. Uh, maybe he moves up depending on where he lands, but I I don't know. I don't, I don't see it at this point in time. Um, he is still in the portal, so we'll see. And then the last one for me was Hunter Deckers. Um, and at this, you know, he we, we thought he was going to be uh, I thought he was gonna at least gonna be okay for fantasy purposes, given his leg, give some of his tools there, and he was not. Not a guy you really wanted to start uh, any week beyond week one. I still don't really think he's an NFL quarterback. He has some tools, but we just didn't see it this year. He struggled running that offense. That whole offense kind of struggled. Um, he was okay when he was targeting Xavier Worthy, but or um, Xavier Henderson, but or Hutchinson, but anybody else, forget about it. Um, so Hunter Deckers is a guy who fell for me too. He didn't fall quite as far as the other two. Uh, Hunter Deckers is hanging out in my in the sixties for me, but uh, I, I just, well, we know the problem with Hunter Deckers, <laughs> why he was oh. held back. We know now it was Campbell's fault. You look how Brock Purdy's performing with the 49ers yeah. about That's to go win point. a Super Bowl. So Hunter Deckers has it. <laughs> That's a he good point. All, he has a lot of tools. There. And you are you are now hearing the voice of and Felix Sharp. As, as promised, uh, he was going to be joining the show here. And I knew what better way to get Felix on here than to start talking about Hunter Deckers and start talking poorly about him. Yeah, I mean, he's been sitting in the background for like the past hour. He just hasn't said it. He was just waiting for his moment to strike. And it was as soon as Colin, you know, besmirched the good name of Hunter Deckers. I had to. I had to do it. I had to draw Felix out of the shadows. 
next up here, we have uh, one sleeper at the position for the quarterback. Matt, who do you got here as your sleeper? So I, I put two names down here. Um, one, again, just going to talk a little bit about um, is, is Aiden Childs, but we, we talked a little bit about him earlier, so I won't jump too deep into that. Just You know you're going to have to wait a year for him, but I think he's he's got a lot of, uh, of upside. The other guy's a little bit of projection here because we don't know where he's going to go, but he is in the transfer portal, and the rumors are TCU, and that's Walker Howard. And I was not a big fan of his coming out. He, I believe, ended up in like our tier three in the freshman guide last year. But I felt like he was at least a decently polished quarterback. I thought he was good. He was not great at anything like good accuracy, good arm, you know, not anything spectacular. I think I just, in, in all honesty, described Max Dugan, who went out <laughs> there and had an amazing year with TCU and the Sunny Dykes offense. And if he lands at TCU, there's nobody there to stop him from starting this season. It's Chandler Morris, and that's it. Sam Jackson, who they preached and, and talked all about all spring season. I talked about him, I felt like, every other spring camp sh uh, show this uh, offseason on our YouTube channel. He's gone. He entered the transfer portal. He's at Cal, who's another one I think could be a sleeper as well. But Walker Howard, I think, could legitimately start this year. TCU's got weapons on the outside. We just talked about what we think about Cameron Cook and those running backs that can be Trey Sanders in that running back room earlier in the show. Like, I think Walker Howard has a chance. He's a guy who we thought was not going to be anything because of him going to LSU. Now, legitimately, if he lands at TCU, has a shot to be something. And, and he's a guy that I think I would take a shot on now in my C2C drafts. Yeah, the other rumor for him is, uh, is Ole Miss. And, you know, if he goes to Ole Miss, probably sits for a year behind Dart, but you know, I think that there's an opportunity there uh, for one, you know, next year. And I think Ole Miss would be a decent landing spot for him. Um, my biggest sleeper here is Robbie Ashford, quarterback for Auburn. Um, he is he's a mobile guy. He's toolsy. He was originally committed to Oregon, uh, went to Oregon, didn't really see the field much, left and went to Auburn this past year. And that whole Auburn team was an absolute dumpster fire all year. Uh, not a good team, not a good offense, no real receiving options in that offense either. So, you know, I don't really fault him for not producing last year. This year, in comes Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze had Malik Willis at the quarterback position, uh, the, you know, two years ago. The past year, he had Caden Salter at times. So he knows how to take a mobile quarterback and make them fantasy relevant. So Robbie Ashford's a guy who's going way under the radar right now. People have probably completely written him off. Uh, and I, I'm not ready to do that. Uh, I think he could be really good for fantasy purposes. Don't think I see an NFL quarterback at this time, but he does have tools. So if you're in the tools crowd, there you go. Uh, I have Robbie Ashford as my QB 60 right now, where he wasn't even ranked before. Uh, and if we start hearing some positive buzz about him and how he looks in the spring, he could creep his way, creep his way up the board because there's some vulnerable guys there ahead of him. There's a couple guys who have some position battles ahead of him, like Brady Allen and Hudson Card at Purdue. Um, another guy that I'm going to talk about a little bit later, Devin Leary, I have ahead of him. Tyler Van Dyke, I still have ahead of him. Um, so there's um, there, there's some room for him to climb as well. Just listening. I don't know. I didn't know if you if you had anything you wanted to say. I saw you touch your screen, so I wasn't sure if you were. 
you wanted to add anything to the conversation. Me? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just an audience member at this point. Listen, I overestimated. I don't know what context <laughs> I gave earlier, Colin. To the, I didn't I over, give much. Okay, I over. I'm on the road. You said that you, you know Austin was going to be out. I love filling in for this show. I especially like when me and both me and Matt fill in on the show because I feel like we just get to box you out, Colin. <laughs> and that's one of my favorite things to do. But I'm on the road and I was driving and I overestimated how long it would take for me to get here. I'm coming back home. And then once I got here, actually, to get set up and be prepared for the show, I overestimated all of that. That's so all right. We uh, we'll have we'll have you as the peanut gallery here. Um, yeah, I was I was wondering who you're directing that Matt, at, Matt. I, I figured it was at Felix, but. Yeah, well, I just saw him touch the screen. So I was like, "Oh, I thought he was going to say something." I was like, "I didn't want to just uh, just jump in." So, all right. Well, next up, uh, most to prove in spring. What QB has the most to prove here in spring for you? So I went with Nick Evers, who just transferred okay. to Wisconsin. He's a quarterback that I really liked. I believe I had him as my QB four um, in that freshman class last year, and I, he can do it all. I mean, again. Played at Flyer Mound High School, top, top competition in Texas, 6A competition, really good strength of schedule. Had just under 5,000 passing yards, 40 and 14 touchdown to interception ratio, and 917 rushing yards with 15 rushing touchdowns in his final season as a senior. And now he's going to be in a Phil Longo offense, guys. Like that, I think, is a massive change. On top of that, I think everybody looks at Wisconsin the wrong way. They've changed and they're going to a route that like Felix has, has clamored for, for the past years. All of a sudden they're bringing in five-star wide receivers. We already know they're going to have one of the best offensive lines in the game. They always have good running backs. I know that they brought in Tanner Mordecai and he's probably going to start most of the year, but he also got benched for Preston stone and probably doesn't get that job back. If Preston stone doesn't get hurt. Now I'm not saying Nick Evers will take over, and beat out Tanner Mordecai at any point this year. But I do think him being there and learning this offense, I don't think they recruit over him. He was a fairly highly rated recruit in his in his class. Learns the offense behind Tanner Mordecai. And if Mordecai does slip up, Nick Evers has a chance to go out there and do it. And I think he's got a lot to prove because he was a guy that we completely wrote off this spring. I mean, he was a guy we talked about, could he challenge Dylan Gabriel? And next thing you know, he's sitting behind... I don't even remember the dude's name, but I watched General him. Booty. General Booty and whoever the other quarterback <laughs> was who couldn't throw a pass. Like I watched that Red River shootout live and the dude was running nothing but like an option offense. Like they could not pass the ball whatsoever once Dylan Gabriel went out and Nick ever still couldn't get on the field. I think he got on for like three passes at the very end of the game. To me, if he can go out and prove something in spring and end up being the backup behind Tanner Mordecai, I think he can redeem himself back up to the top of that class because that group he was in, I mean, Taven Jackson, Connor Harrell, Caton Hauser, none of those, Gunnar Stockton, none of those guys may end up being anything now at this point. It may end up just being Cade Klubnick, Nick Evers, and Ty Simpson, who you talked about earlier. Like They may end up being the cream of the crop in that second group of this QB class. So I'm really intrigued to see what he does this spring. I'm surprised you didn't say Kyle McCord. I mean, he's going <laughs> to, I mean, seriously, he's going to go into the spring, presumably the start. I'm not even going to say presumably he'll go into the spring as the starter. He will go into these winter workouts that are starting now, you know, breaking down the huddle when they do seven on sevens uh, uh, with the team and without the coaches, he's going to be leading the charge, but he's got a very talented Devin Brown behind him. 
so there's that and the fact that he's filling in for a guy who's going to be a top five draft pick. That's a lot of weight for a guy who hasn't or I guess who started one game up until this point in his college career. Now, a very, you know, decorated uh, uh, high school recruit, but but um, uh, hasn't been the starter to this point. And I think that there's a lot there's a lot of pressure to be the guy that um, that C.J. Stroud was, to be the guy that Justin Fields was. They've had some very successful quarterbacks there uh, at Ohio State. And this team is kind of, you know, st- starting a little bit from scratch at that position. And, and again, I, I just, Devin Brown is not a slouch. Devin Brown's a talented player. And I think this is kind of like the last shot at Ohio State for for Kyle McCord to be to be the starter. You know, went into last season competing with CJ Stroud, will go into this season competing with Devin Brown. If for some reason, and I think that he will, but if for some reason he doesn't get that starting job, I mean as soon as the spring game's over, he's entering the transfer portal. Um so or, or unless Ryan Day tries to play that game of well we don't know who the starter is, which in my opinion would be like a terrible sign for, for Kyle McCord if they don't actually name a starter at some point in the spring or after the spring game. So I'm surprised you didn't say uh, Kyle McCord because, one, that's your boy, and, two, he's got, he's got a lot of pressure on him um, to, to keep that program at the level it's been for the last, you know, since Justin Fields got there, 2020, 2019, whatever it is. Well, in fairness, we 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 went on like a ten minute off topic discussion about the Ohio State quarterback room. Totally off to begin topic. The, to begin the show. Colin asked me about it, but to give you a quick recap, I agree with everything you're saying, and I actually brought up. I do think Devin Brown has a better shot at winning the job now compared to if you had asked me four months ago, because we saw Day be a little bit more willing to allow C.J. Stroud to run. And I will say Devin Brown is a much better athlete than Kyle McCord. He can bring that part of the game that Kyle cannot. But that being said, the fact that he's been in that offense for two straight years, he's been the backup, he's actually gotten game reps where where Devin hasn't. And and in my opinion, something you guys brought up that I didn't listen to that first year, the practice reps are okay, but game reps matter. And, and the fact that Kyle has those, I think he's got to lose that job. I, I really don't think Devin Brown can win it. I think Kyle has to lose it. And I've also just in my, again, it's not like I talk to him every day. I mean, we are practically best friends. I don't talk to him every day. Is the I've fact seen that, that tattoo you have. It's it's bad. It's bad. They, the artist did a horrible job. It does not look like <laughs> Kyle, but that's a story for another time. The I do think that, just everything I've talked about, he, I think, handles pressure perfectly fine. I don't think that that bothers him, knowing that he's going in has to be Justin Fields or C.J. Stroud for that offense. And I also think Ryan Day is going to do a good job of managing that. So I really think it's going to have to be him losing the job, which I personally don't think he will do. If he does, this will now not be get to be the year of Matt Bruning, which I expect it to be with Kyle McCord and, and Quinn Ewers. But I expect it's going to be my year with those guys with so. your with your file your secret file too of it's, all the oh things it's it's said. it's gonna be a fun year Directly. the NASA codes are going to get released to everybody i i will say though and i meant i brought this up to comments i don't think devin's leaving which is why i do not think uh ryan day is going to keep the cards close to his vest i think he will announce that mccord or brown will be the starter because if he does say brown mccord will leave but if McCord gets a job, which I expect, I don't think Brown's leaving. Those guys just seem to be all bought in. They're drinking the Kool-Aid. 
and, and they, they believe they can be an NFL pick with day. So for those listening to us for the first time, one, I, I apologize. I don't know what my audio quality is like. I'm recording this on my, fine. you're good. Okay. On my iPhone. And I'm, I'm normally very professional with the microphone and everything, but I'll get them on the road. But for those listening to us for the first time, we interviewed Kyle, what, two years ago now. So go find that on the campus to Canton podcast feed. Um, good kid, poised kid. And his dad hates me. <laughs> um, all right. I, I think that the Kyle McCord discussion fit perfectly there with somebody to prove something to prove in spring um, because he will enter in as the presumptive starter, but he will have to hang on to that job. De- Devin Brown is a very talented quarterback in his own right. And if Kyle McCord lets it slip, Devin Brown's the type of guy who could seize that opportunity. Um, my guy who has the most to prove in spring and, Kyle McCord was somebody that I, I thought about, you know, talking about Kyle McCord, Devin Brown. But I think I, my guy has to be Baron Morton, given how much I have, have talked about Baron Morton previously, how I thought he was going to be the guy. He stepped up at times this year and then kind of fell apart. He got hurt. Tyler Shuck finished the year, finished that bowl game, and they looked really good dismantling um, Ole Miss. Tyler Shuck is coming back for what seems like his ninth year. Uh, so he has another year here. It's going to come into, it's going to be a battle between Shuck and, and Morton. Again, this is a quarterback that I want for CFF value and Morton's going to have to step up and seize it because I think this is going to be a dead, even heat heading into the spring here. So Baron Morton needs to absolutely prove that he is the guy. He is better than Shuck. He's got to seize this job. How could we not? We got to throw Quinn Ewers in there too, right? I mean, there were at times this season where Quinn Ewers simply wasn't good. And especially if we compare him to some of the quarterbacks who have been much ballyhooed in the last couple of years Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Bryce Young, uh, Caleb Williams. Quinn Ewers is, you know, in the same stratosphere as far as recruit with all those guys. He's been the most underwhelming of that class of quarterback. And he's got Arch. Manning coming in next season. Now we all have our opinions about whether or not uh, Arch Manning can start in year one, but like the the media out there is saying they're already asking the questions: Who's going to start at quarterback uh, next year for Texas? And if if Quinn Ewers had come on like gangbusters, like we expected, that those questions wouldn't be asked. And let's remember again: Steve Sarkeesian did not name a starting quarterback after the spring last year. Terrible, terrible splitting the reps and all that stuff. Obviously, he's going to go into this spring as the starter, but he's got to show that like he's that dude. I mean, a lot of people are are um calling for Texas to be a playoff team next year. Well, he's gonna to have to elevate his game if that's going to be the case. He has had, I mean, that Alabama game was getting ready to be his best game of the season, but something changed after that. Something changed after that game where he, when he came back, he was like, you know, check the ball down. He had, he had that windy game versus uh, uh, Oklahoma state and, you know, Xavier worthy falling all over the place and dropping passes. But after, you know, if he doesn't start the season strong, and I don't know what their out-of-conference schedule is like to start the season, Matt, you probably know it off the top of your head, If you, the, their out-of-conference screen. If he doesn't come on strong in the first couple of games, that's going to be an issue. And if there's like if there's smoke in spring camp about Arch Manning potentially starting or Arch Manning looking good, like he could carry this team, I don't think that that's good for Quinn Ewers. So um, 
I think that we need to mention his name also. Yeah. I mean, I think anytime you have somebody behind you named Manning, you have to be a little bit better than what you probably had to be if he wasn't behind you. Yeah, no, I'm not worried about it. Uh, Mox and I talked a lot about it on Better Sports. Uh, and again, we, we talked about this a little bit at the beginning of the show, too. If you dive into his his advanced stats, he was a lot better than people give him credit for. Uh, you know, we've talked about, you know, you've brought it up and we, we've talked about it before. Like the dude didn't start for two years. And then he went out there and was in the top 15 of all these advanced stats categories as bad as he looked. If that was him bad and he was putting up those kinds of stats, what can he be if he's actually good? And I do think he has a chance to turn it around because now he's got an entire year with the first string. Now they don't have a tough out-of-conference schedule outside of Alabama, which it looks like right now that I think this could change because it's not set in stone, but it looks like it's week three. They get Alabama. They get Wyoming and Rice before that. So he's got two weeks before he's got to play Alabama in Tuscaloosa. I think that he's going to be perfectly fine because the other thing, like I get the arch part, and, and I definitely do think that will put some pressure on him. Arch is nowhere near ready, though, and, and I don't think Sark will be willing to throw him out there. I think they're going to just ride with Quinn, and I don't think he was healthy this year. Coming off that shoulder injury, and there was a lot of rumors about what was going on with his thumb as well, which you need as a quarterback to be able to throw the ball. We'll never know because the NCAA in Texas doesn't have to tell us anything with the injuries. I think he was more banged up than we know. I, I'm not worried about it. Good or bad, I don't think he's going to lose the job this year. I think he starts the entire season, even if he plays as bad as he did this year. This is this is my concern. I understand that Arch Manning is not ready. I guess what I'm saying is, is that he is going to get the benefit of the doubt from the casual observer. And casual ob- observers includes beat writers. In my, like A lot of times beat writers don't know what the hell they're yeah. talking so like when in these practices, when they do one on one and he completes a deep pass or, you know, the if, if fans are watching spring practices and he does anything remotely good, even if it's against the third or fourth string, those plays are going to get cut up and put on Twitter and people are going to talk. Oh, look, look how how Arch Manning is, is playing. And that's going to create a, a narrative in the media, I think, that could potentially put pressure on Quinn Ewers, even though Quinn Ewers is going to be taking his reps with the ones, you know, uh, and that sort of thing. But I just think that the the benefit of the doubt in this thing is going to go to to Arch Manning. I think no, I, I agree with you. I, I think I almost guarantee you this. At some point in time in the spring, we're going to be talking about on Debbie debate at some point that everybody's saying Arch Manning deserves to be the starter over Quinn Ewers. It's going to happen because people are going <laughs> to say that. I'm just saying. And because Felix puts together the show sheet. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> He's going to see one rep practice talk about Arch Manning took the practice with the ones, and that's going to be the headline the headline we talked about on Debbie debate. I'll just say I don't think Sark's going to do it. He didn't move away from Quinn as, as, as again, I, I said at the beginning of the show, he did not play good at times. He did play bad, yet he never benched him. He stuck Wait, with I wanna, him. I want to emphasize something. Yeah. I am not saying that inside the building there's going to be, like, Quinn Ewers isn't the starter. What I'm saying is is that, the, like, outside of the building, that the narrative is going to be created that Arch Manning is, is making moves to become the starter. I don't think that that's going to be the case. But just, like, if we get into game three, and Quinn hasn't played well, do we get the same booze that Spencer Rattler was getting 
uh, at at Oklahoma in the team calling for Caleb Williams. I'm saying stuff like that, like when the when the narrative in the in the in the 40 acres faithful start to get behind that player, does it snowball? Even though the pressure didn't start from inside the building, could it snowball from outside the building? And then you know the pressure continued to mount on uh, on on them. Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull an Austin here. I know he loves to upset fan bases, so I'm gonna do that right now. Texas fans are fickle as hell. We call them <laughs> down here the Walmart team because all you got to do is walk into Walmart and buy a burnt orange shirt, and you're a Texas fan. There are no real Texas fans. There were people booing him in game one when he was struggling against UTSA. I know because the guy who I know has season tickets to them that got me a red got me into the Red River shootout. They were talking about how bad he looked. Like, oh my God, did you look at this pass? They're all, we're already they were booing him game one. So yes, they will boo him this year if he struggles at any point. I am putting this on TikTok. I am so you calling <laughs> I'm at 40, me, Texas fans. You calling the 40 acre faithful. What'd you call it? The Walmart? Well, uh, I don't know about the 48 acre <laughs> faithful, but I'm talking about most Texas fans. Yes, they're Walmart fans. You walk into a Walmart, oh, buy man. an orange shirt. And we don't this isn't even a video podcast. I'm gonna be- <laughs> And put it on TikTok. All right. Into the running back position, or what this is going to be a three-hour show here. Um, biggest risers at the running back position here. Matt, who do you got? Uh, so I've got three. Uh, two I'll hit really quickly. Uh, Gavin Sawchuk, just based on what he did in that bowl game, I think he's got a shot to be right there with Javante Barnes in this offense. I think they'll run the ball a lot, and I think he's the better pass catcher as well. Uh, we saw that Dylan Gabriel is not afraid to check the ball down. He looked bigger, really bursty. Like I'm excited to see what he can do this year. Um, number three for me on my list was Cedric Baxter Jr. I, I think he's got a shot to really I, – like I'm, I like Jonathan Brooks. I know Felix has kind of been touting him this offseason. He was a guy that I, I talked a lot during the spring because they did talk a lot about him. We were worried he was going to transfer, but I just think Baxter's better than all those guys. Now, I don't think he takes that job from Brooks, but could we see a Bijan Robinson type freshman season from him? I think we can. As long as he doesn't get injured like Bijan does, at some point, I think he ends up being like the number two there. I think he passes Jade on Blue. I, I just think we haven't seen enough from Jade on Blue. I don't know that I can trust him. Last but not least is EJ Smith. Looked really good for Stanford those first couple games of the season. Injures his wrist. They bring in a new head coach who is getting a lot of love for what he does with his offense. This offense last year averaged, it had three over 3,000 rushing yards. They had more rushing yards than they did passing yards. Again, Sacramento State, so take that with you know a little bit of grain of salt. But he runs the ball on 58% of his plays. I think EJ Smith is going to be the main focal point of this offense. On top of that, their running backs had 380 catches split between the, the there's four of them on Sacramento State's roster. I don't know that any of these other running backs can catch the ball at Stanford. Now, I'm not saying he's going to get 300 passes, but he is an adept pass catcher as well. So I think he's going to be the focal point of this offense. And I think that they have about to actually be a decent team. They're not going to be great. But EJ Smith in the focal point of a rushing attack that's not afraid to throw the ball to the running backs as well. I think he deserves to be a riser because then he looked good in those three games before getting injured. I'm so worried about how slow EJ Smith is <laughs> and how unathletic he is. I mean, we're, we're talking about somebody who just has no juice whatsoever. And you and you were on this train last year too. And he was doing good until something, he got injured. Something something about you. 
and Stanford running backs because you were also on Austin Jones. I was on Austin Jones. Me, so me was too. Colin. On, yeah. on both of those. <laughs> and I actually uh, I had EJ Smith on my list here as well. And then I was like, well, Matt said he uh, he kept his secret. He wasn't t- sharing who it was. I was like, well, I bet I bet it's EJ Smith. So let me move, remove mine. I 100% agree with you. I think it, the very least in terms of CFF production, assuming EJ Smith stays healthy, that he could have a phenomenal year this year. Um, then he has good size after that too. He catches the ball well. Athleticism is definitely a big question. So I don't know what that NFL ceiling is at this point. But in terms of CFF, yeah, I think that uh, I, I think that EJ Smith is is worthy of being a riser. Um, my two biggest risers here. Uh, first one, Marshawn Lloyd, uh, running back from UC USC East. In South Carolina, heading to USC West, um, Southern California. So he is a guy that I've had hopes, high hopes for for a while. Looked really good uh, his freshman year coming into South Carolina. Suffered that knee injury, missed the entire year. Never really looked right the next year after that. And then this past year, he had a really, really nice four-game stretch, including two games against Texas A&M and Kentucky. The other two were against like Charlotte and South Carolina State, I think. So not the uh, not the strongest of competition in two of those. The other two were in SEC teams, you know, SEC with SEC caliber defenses. So I, I think there's a kind of a mixed bag there. But now he goes over to USC, and this is a team that made Tra- uh, Travis Die a high end fantasy producer. Um, I don't think Marshawn Lloyd is a worse player. Than Travis Dye is, I think we could see something similar to Travis Dye here. I mean, Austin Jones was on the roster last year, and he's a guy that you like Felix just liked to to bring up and poke fun at us. You and I both liked him, but I think the ship has sailed on him. And they have a couple other guys there. They're bringing in two freshmen and Quentin Joyner and Amari and Peterson. They have Relique Brown there from last year, who they used a little bit there in the uh, bowl game. But Relique Brown's not a between-the-tackles grinder, and the other two are freshmen. I think Marshawn Lloyd is going to get at least that early down duty. I I think he's a guy that would, at the very least, CFF producer this year in that offense. And he's a guy that has NFL potential there as well. So he's a riser for me. I was already pretty high on him, but uh, he's definitely climbed up my rankings. And then the other guy is uh, a popular riser right now. That's Trey Benson, the running back from Florida State. He finished the year on an absolute tear. Uh, and then his biggest competition in that backfield, Treshawn Ward, left. And he's now over at Kansas State, which I actually had him in consideration for a riser as well. Because I think that's a really good landing spot. But clearing out of the backfield, Trey Benson going to have the opportunity to really be the guy there in a Mike Norvell offense that has produced very, very good fantasy numbers uh, when he was at Memphis. With And it also produced NFL talent in guys like Darrell Henderson and Tony Pollard and Kenny Gainwell, Antonio Gibson. So I, I think Trey Benson is, is one of those guys who could be a CFF producer and have NFL value as well. So I think both of those two guys, they're probably going to be popular risers, but I think there's a good reason. Don't throw me the ball. <laughs> no, I, I like I like both of them. Don't throw it to me. Uh, moving on to the fallers here. Um, there's a couple of guys that 
you mentioned earlier that uh, I, I think could be followers. Well, one of the guys, Jaden Blue, was a guy that I considered as a follower. Didn't end up putting him on my list. But Matt, who do you got? Yeah, I've got three sophomores here. So um, I'll start with the North Carolina running back duo and George Petaway and Amari and Hampton. Neither one of those guys, like Hampton looked good early. We thought Petaway was going to have, I think he had like one good game and then just nothing out of those guys. They both got passed over. Chip Lindsey, you go look at his offenses. None of them have been really super inspiring. His last year with UCF, we thought Bowser was going to be this great CFF stud. Outside of his touchdowns, he did nothing. They don't get receptions either. I'm kind of out on those guys now. I think it's going to be a lot of Drake, May, and throwing the ball, so I'm out on on both those running backs. And then my other one, unfortunately, is, is uh, to be honest, he's a C2C darling, Andrew Paul. We don't know if he's going to come back and be healthy. And I think Roderick Robinson is just a better running back overall. I mean, dude is legitimately six, what, six, one, six, two, 200 and almost 40 pounds and runs over 22 miles an hour. He's in a very, you mentioned the 22 mile per hour club that they talked about it on the official this week. And, and, and Roderick Robinson's in that group as well. And it's an extremely elite group of Saquon Barkley, Derek Henry. Um, I Bo can't Jackson. remember who, Bo Jackson. Like it's, it's the elite of elite athletes. Like, Branson Robinson looked good too at the end of the year. We know Andrew Paul was ahead of him out of spring, but what with Branson Robinson was able to do during the year, like unfortunately, I just think Paul is going to be kind of uh, he he's going to be kind of pushed down the depth chart next. I think Robinson is better than him, so he's unfortunately falling down my list as well. I th- yeah, I, I think I'm going to include T.J. Harden here because not that he was ever you know, elevated to a, you know, a a top position in my rankings, but I was ready to, I was prepared to with the departure of uh, Zach Charbonnet at UCLA, TJ Harden. um, One of the, I think TJ Harden, the red shirt freshman kind of built the same way is Zach Charbonnet. And you look at that cupboard, there wasn't a whole lot there uh, to, to replace Zach Charbonnet. So it seemed like um, uh, TJ Harden could be a natural fit. I think TJ Harden was like a three-star recruit, but again, Kind of have a similar body type as uh, as 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 Zach Charbonnet, so they bring in Carson Steele. I gotta assume that Carson Steele is going to be, you know, the the a focal point of the running game. I, th- I think that that's why they would bring him in, especially because if if Dante Moore is going to start there, Dante Moore does not run the ball. Definitely not like uh, like Dorian Thompson Robinson did. So um, all the more reason to bring in somebody who can carry the ball. You carry the load 20 time, twenty plus times a game, and we know that Carson Steele uh, can do that. So he, I, I would have to put TJ Harden there. I was ready to elevate him. Another one that I'm not really sure about is Jamarian Miller. Uh, Jamarian okay. Miller at, at Alabama. Um, I like Justice Haynes. I like Justice Haynes a lot, actually. Um, I think Justice Haynes is one of the better running backs that I've, you know, kind of scouted from the perspective of giving advice to other people um after now y'all keep telling me that roydell williams is going to be a thing behind uh jace mcclellan next year i just i tend not to believe believe that i think that there's going to be either a freshman or a second year player that has a substantial role in that alabama backfield and i think that it could be justice haynes which means that Jamarian Miller might be out. Now, Jamarian Miller has definitely has a the more of the dual threat skill set, but they didn't really even use Jameer Gibbs that way last year. So are they going to use 
uh, Jamari Miller that way when he's not he's not the pass catcher that that he's a very good pass catcher, but he's not the pass catcher that Jameer Gibbs was. So um, I'm 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 kind of trying to rethink how I had him ranked. Um, uh, just given that I think, you know, I think that Justin Hay- Justice Hayes can do everything that Jamari Miller can do, except for he's like more of a bowling ball package, and he has some instinctive quickness that reminds me of. I know, I know, Chase, Chase Edmonds is not doesn't seem like a great comp now, but when you watch Chase, Chase Edmonds at Fordham, you, it was hard to lay a hand on that dude, and Justice Hayes has some of that instinctive cat-like quickness to his game uh and he can and he's a, he, he can catch the ball a lot and and justice haynes is like the the least amount of yards he ever ran for four years playing varsity in high school is like like 1500 yards or something like that. we're talking about from his freshman season all the way until his uh until his last season playing varsity as a senior he um uh, he just balled out including you know over like 2300 yards his junior year so um I, I'm going to be a little bit hesitant on Jamari and Miller until we get into the spring and we see, you know, how that how that backfield shakes out. Justice Haynes an early enrollee, so he was practicing for the bowl game. He's you know going through dr- drills with with everybody in the bowl game. So um, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm kind of trying to I want to see see where Jamari and Miller is at in the depth chart and how they're using him. Yeah, I, I like that call a lot too because ju- I'm a huge Justin Haynes, Justice Haynes fan as well. He's my RB two, just behind Baxter in this class. I like him more than I liked Jamari and Miller coming in. I did like Jamari Miller. I think he was probably like my RB five, six, somewhere in that range. So I, I, I mean, I agree with you. I, I this is going to be such a difficult backfield to get a read on beyond Jace McClellan, who we are assuming is going to be the lead back there this year. Roydell Williams just keeps hanging out. He just keeps siphoning off some carries here and there. I don't think he's actually that good, but he's just good enough to be a thorn in the side for whatever reason. And then I don't know how the rest of that backfield is going to shape up either. So that is a great backfield to watch. Uh, Moving into uh, my biggest fallers, I have two, but they're on the same team uh, now. And that's Jaden Ott and Byron Cardwell. Both guys that I was pretty high on here. Jaden Ott was a freshman phenom. He just took the took Cal by storm, took the Pac-12 by storm. Fantastic freshman year. One of our biggest misses as a, as a website, honestly. I mean, we were probably too low on him. And then they bring in my guy, and a lot of other people in the Debbie community are a big fan of him, Byron Cardwell, formerly of Oregon. He had a great freshman year, injured at the beginning of this past year, and then just never really did anything. I didn't understand that whole situation and why he wasn't really getting carries, but I still think he's a good running back. And then he goes to Cal and now he it's him and his Jade not. And Cal also brings in justice, Justin Williams, Thomas, the running back uh, is, is his going into his second year here. He was committed to Tennessee. He's a big guy as well. All three of these guys play a similar role. Now Jade not catches passes, he caught, I think it was about 25 um, to, to 30 passes last year. So he catches the ball, but I, I don't know what the role is for these three. And I don't think Cal is going to be a particularly good team, particularly good offense. So I, I struggle to see who's going to separate themselves here. Now, maybe Jade not does in spring. He is the guy that I have the highest out of all three of them, but he has definitely fallen. And as has Byron Cardwell for me. 
Yeah, I like that. I mean, Sam Jackson, too, really good running yeah. quarterback. So that comes right. in and might, might drop the upside of both those guys a little bit as well. Yeah, absolutely. Good call. Uh, moving into sleepers here. Uh, do you have a, a sleeper here for everybody to keep an eye on? I do just one. And again, I feel like there's a lot of overlap with some of these guys that I wasn't sure when I put my list together, beginning with that we could talk a freshman here, but it's Cameron cook. And I just think mm. he's going to be really good. We talked a lot about him earlier, just with what he can do with his vision. Like I, I, I in my write up, which you guys will get to see in the freshman guide and coming out a little over a month and a half now, like I, 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 the way I quoted him is I, I feel like he's a surgeon behind the line like he uses his patience and then he just quick cuts to get into the open field with that burst i think he's going to be really good for tcu this year with trey sanders and he improved uh, especially in the receiving game as well in his senior season so he's my sleeper he's a guy i don't really think anybody's talking about outside of me um and <laughs> I've, i kind of felt like that was quinchon judkins for me last year and i don't know that he's going to hit that way I mean, judkins had an incredible season we didn't know I, judkins was going to hit that way either though yeah, yeah, yeah. I will be 100% honest. As good as I thought Judkins was, I didn't expect him to rush for whatever it was 1,700 yards. I was not expecting that. Uh, but I did say in the guide that he was going to be a CFF asset, and that did work out, and I do think that's going to happen with Cameron Cook here. Like, I really think that this offense is tailored to a running back like him, and I just don't think Trey Sanders is that good. So, again, I expect him to be the lead workhorse there, but Cameron Cook, I think, will be a guy in this TCU offense to watch out for. Colin, I don't know why you're getting the super prepared Matthew <laughs> because he notoriously reads the show sheet for Debbie debate when the shows, when the intro is going on, that's when he starts. That's when he starts. When the two minute intro is starting, that's when Matt starts his prep for the show. Um, But no, I, the, this is a good call. I just don't know. I don't understand why, why Colin gets it. It's because <laughs> it was, it's my off day today. I got, uh, I wasn't really going to say this, but I'll just, I, my birthday's tomorrow. So I was all oh. the kids out of school today. Got a Happy nice little birthday with the wife. And so, you know, I, I had time to actually sit down, watch the last of us. I cried and I was like, all right, Ooh, okay. let's knock this show sheet out. So it's a great show. You need to watch it. Felix. So I, I, I went ahead and I had a lot of time on my hands. So I went ahead and put some work in the show. Usually when you send the show sheet out, like you give us the topics ahead of time but you don't always get us to show sheet super early. And by that time, I'm tired. And I'm like, I'll get to it. And then next thing I know, <laughs> it's like 10 minutes before show starts. I'm like, shit. The eye rolls right now. I haven't looked at the show sheet yet. So that's when I go look at it. I give you the, I, most of the time I give you all the show sheet. Like, you know what though? That morning. You, oh no. Yeah. You always give us like the, the main top talking points. You're you, sometimes you give it to us days ahead of time. You'll like text us like, Hey, this is what we're talking about. I will say, you, you gave us a show sheet early, and I didn't look at it last week as you just called me out on. And I'll send you guys. Shaq sent me an amazing text the other day when he listened to the show. He's like, dude, that was your best episode of Debbie Debate ever, the points you made. I was like, you know what, Shaq? I, I appreciate you, brother. So you know what? It was nice. Unprepared Matt sometimes hits hits some out of the park. Shaq, the godfather of Campus to Ken. Yes, not, not shaq -aroni. Um, my, my sleeper here that I have is, uh, a guy that I'm sure Felix will, will approve of here. Marion Lukes running back for central Michigan, central Michigan stand up. Um, it's so, uh, the Lou Nichols is Shout out to everybody at soaring Eagle casino right now. <laughs> um, Lou Nichols is off to the NFL and everybody knows how much of a fantasy darling Lou Nichols was at, at least in 2021 bit of a down year this past year 
Uh, Marion Lukes is the backup. He's the next guy up. And in the one game where Lukes got in as a starter instead of Nichols, Lukes puts up 46 fantasy points, 160 yards, two touchdowns, four catches for 71 yards, and another touchdown. Now, that was against Akron. But I think there's a lot to like here about Lukes in terms of CFF production. I don't think there's probably there's probably not going to be much there in terms of NFL production because I don't think that Lou Nichols is going to get drafted particularly high. And he I think Nichols is a better runner and running back than Marion Lukes. But Marion Lukes, not a guy that I, I've heard really anybody talk about here. And I think he's a big sleeper for uh, your CFF league. So Miles, I don't. So that that backfield got weird at the end of the year. Because we thought that Miles Bailey was going to be the guy. He had been the guy behind Lou Nichols the entire season. And he's a guy that I had stashed in places. <laughs> I don't know what happened to Miles Bailey, but I really and I first of all, I'm also just learning now that Lou Nichols declared for the NFL draft. Just learned that just now as you're saying it. Um, but I I would watch out for Miles Bailey too. I like Miles Bailey and I always have. Okay. That's fair. I Miles Bailey was not a guy that I had really paid that much attention to. Um, I just kind of figured it was going to be Lou, Lou Nichols' backfield this year and figured I'd figure out the uh, the next guy up as soon as he left, which ended up being this year here. Um, but next up here, most running back with the most to prove in the spring. And this is going to be a little bit more difficult, obviously, than quarterback. But Matt, who you got as the running back to prove most in the spring yeah I, I looked a lot at this list and it came down to one player for me kendall milton for georgia oh, okay i think he's got a lot to prove uh he's a guy that we thought might come out this year a lot of talk you know from the georgia camp this year that like he was going to lead the team and carries and this was his year I think it's fair to say he he had like a wet fart of a season here. It was not good. <laughs> I was not impressed at all. I, mean, I was a guy who, when I wrote up his profile, when I was back with the site before Campus to Canton, I was big on him. I thought he was going to be really good. I had him, I think it's like my RB3 or 4 in the class. I loved Kendall Milton. He's shown nothing, if we're being honest. Now you got Branson Robinson, who got playing time in the national championship game. Again, Roderick Robinson, who I know some guys here have him as their RB2 in this class, ahead of Justice Haynes, ahead of Cedric Baxter. Like, they love this kid. And again, in that elite club of being over 220 pounds and running over 22 miles per hour, I think these guys are coming for Kendall Milton's job, and he came back to school. <laughs> I, I don't even know that he's going to be the starter for the full season. So I think he's got to come out this spring, stay healthy and prove a ton to be the starter for Georgia and try and re you know, regain any kind of draft capital that he can get at this point, because I think he is a sinking ship. Unfortunately, he's got a lot to prove to get back to where he was. Yeah, I agree. I think he has a lot to prove it really just health. Really, that's the biggest thing for him. Um, he's been okay when he's been out there. He uh, looked pretty decent in the playoffs, but yeah, absolutely has a ton to prove. My guy with the most to prove here is Dylan Johnson, running back, going to Washington, was at Mississippi State, and he was at Mississippi State. He was splitting the backfield with Jaquavis Marks. Marks was catching a lot more passes, although Dylan Johnson definitely caught his fair share. Johnson was handling more of the running back duties. Dylan Johnson transfers over to Washington, which is a wide open backfield. Um, Wayne Talapapa is gone. They have Cameron Davis there, but he didn't really do anything. Um, 
and in comes Dylan Johnson, who's going to have the opportunity to step in and be a Ronnie Rivers type running back for um, for Kalen DeBoer. So if he can seize that role here this this uh, off season, because they also did bring in Daniel Ngata from Arizona State, I think Dylan Johnson is a guy who we could see uh, climbing up a lot of people's boards. Um, so we'll move into the wide receivers here. Um, Matt, who do you got as your biggest risers at the wide receiver position? Yeah, so I'll start with two freshmen that we talked a little bit about earlier, Brandon Innes and Jonte Cook. You know, two guys that we think could really fire off as freshmen this year. We, we Obviously, you talked a lot about what you thought Cook could be in this offense for Texas, which I agree with you on. And then we also talked a little bit earlier about Brandon Innes and how I think he could easily jump a lot of those guys and, and be productive this year for um, the Ohio State offense. The next one for me is Malik Neighbors. I thought he had a really good second season with, in my opinion, a bad starting quarterback in Jaden Daniels, at least passing-wise, and yet he still crushed a lot of the thresholds you want in these advanced metrics, and I thought looked good. He improved on his drops as well, You know, caught the ball in the short area, looked good after the catch, looked good as a deep threat at times. He's a guy that I think you know. a lot of people don't – we always say don't scout the helmet, but NFL teams do do that, and LSU wide receivers – command a lot of respect at the NFL level. And I think Malik neighbors has that next chance to be that next guy. It's a first round draft pick. And there's a lot of talk that Jaden Daniels may not have that job sewn up as a starter next year. So if Garrett Nussmeyer comes out there as the quarterback with what he can do, passing the ball, I think that he has a shot to be a really good wide receiver. He moved up a ton in my rankings. And last but not least, a little bit of a sleeper here, probably not going to be anything at the NFL level because he was a year one zero, but CJ Williams, Phil Longo offense, Wisconsin, they have nobody there. I mean, what did we talk of Skylar Bell in this offense who did nothing really in Wisconsin? Again, I know I'm basing a lot of this on Phil Longo, but they have a, a veteran now quarterback in, in Tanner McKee behind arguably – Mordecai, I'm sorry, Tanner Mordecai. You have uh, arguably a top 10 offensive line in Wisconsin who has to respect the run as well with Braylon Allen back there. And then you add a guy like C.J. Williams who can be a dominant X receiver in that offense. I think his he has a chance to skyrocket his, uh, his thing. He probably should have been my sleeper, but I already bumped him up because I'm expecting a lot out of him this year. That's fair. I, I think that's a, a fair sleeper or riser i love the neighbors calls a riser i actually have him ahead of xavier worthy now he's my wide receiver six so i love the call on malik neighbors uh my three biggest risers here um jaleel farouk wide receiver at oklahoma marvin mims is gone farouk is going to step up kind of be the next guy there and he is a little bit more in the aj brown type of a mold than you know what like Marvin Mims was obviously and like Jeff Lebby's offense is a very good offense. It's great offense for CFF production for wide receivers. And I think Julio Farouk can, can step up and be that next guy there. Um, so he flew up my boards. Uh, and then the next two are guys who are a little bit undersized. I don't know how I feel about them from the NFL perspective, but I think these guys are going to smash in CFF. And the first one is squirrel white. Um, over at Tennessee there, he looked good in the bowl game. He's going to be filling in in that Jalen Hyatt type of a role. And I, Joe Milton actually looked okay. So maybe they get some competent quarterback play there. But even if Joe Milton doesn't, they have Nico. They'll just turn to him. I think Nico can be okay as well there. So I think Squirrel White 
is going to be a guy that you're going to want for CFF purposes. And then he wasn't a year one zero. So uh, there is some NFL potential there as well. He's very dynamic. Um, just a little bit on the small side. Last one I have is Kevin Coleman, uh, wide receiver, formerly of Jackson State uh, with Dion. He transfers and everybody kind of assumed he was going to go to Colorado with Dion. He ends up at Louisville with Jeff Brom. And Jeff Brom produces wide receivers very well. He's done it at Purdue for a number of years. And there's not really a lot else on that roster. There's a couple other guys there, but nobody that Jeff Brom specifically brought in. I think Louisville probably had to throw a bag at Coleman to get him to come there instead of um, going to Colorado with Dion. So they're going to find a role for him early. I think he could have a really nice year for CFF purposes. He's a little on the small side. He'll have to bulk up there, but I'm not ruling out NFL um, potential there as well either. Yeah, yeah, I like I like the Coleman call a lot. Um, next up, we have biggest fallers here. Who you got as your biggest fallers? All right, so my biggest fallers at the wide receiver position are two of the guys I really liked coming into this year. It's Kanata Mumfield. I, I mean, I don't know how you can how you can. I think I still had him in like my top thirty. Uh, when I was looking at my <laughs> rankings, I, I just don't know how you can keep them there. I mean, I get that they moved on from Keaton Slovis to Phil Dracovic, which I guess is like a minor step up, but it's not a massive one. And, and again, I think it comes back to this offense just wants to run the ball. We saw that it was kind of our biggest concern. At least one that I talked a lot about when they brought in their new offensive coordinators, like this guy just wants to run the ball. And I think that hurts the passing game. And I don't know how Mumfield rebounds the stock that he had leaving Akron after that really impressive season. The other one for me is DJ Allen, my guy. I mean, I, you know, we, I talked a lot about this on Debbie debate on Wednesday about being more aggressive with my freshman rankings. He was a guy that I was aggressive with last year. I had him in my top 15. He didn't play a single snap for TCU this year. So he dropped massively, and I still don't know what to do with him because I believe in the the upside of what he can be. But again, we've talked a lot in this episode about the year one zero theory and how good that has been, how you know proven that has been in a short sample size here by Austin and Chris. I just don't know how I can continue to bet on him now, even as a CFF asset at this point in that TCU offense, because I just don't know that he even gets on the field. So he, he was my other major uh, uh, faller here that's that's funny i actually have dj allen as a follower as well um i i think that i I completely agree with everything you said with dj allen there and he was a guy that i ranked pretty aggressively too and we haven't seen it from him we saw jordan hudson another wide a freshman wide receiver actually get on the field and do something um they've also brought in two transfers now and jojo earl and john paul richardson i don't I don't really think that much of John Paul Richardson, but you know, whatever. He's still brought in. That's still another body that DJ Allen's gonna have to climb over. So yeah, he was a faller for me there as well. What about JoJo Earl? You know, I was super, super high. <laughs> Out of all of the freshmen in that what 2021 class mm-hmm. with a guy hall, JoJo, or excuse me, Ja'Cory Brooks and um JoJo Earl. I think I was definitely the highest on JoJo Earl. I mean, he just has, I've used this comp to him for him a lot. Is If you remember, if you're old enough to remember Dante Hall with the Kansas City Chiefs, like JoJo Earl moves that way, um, but not just as a kick returner, as a slot wide receiver. And he has had issues staying healthy at Alabama, but Alabama needed wide receiver help. They needed 
wide receiver help all over the place, but definitely in the slot. In the slot, Kelby Prentice ended up taking that spot. But then when Joe Turner was healthy, he started getting he started taking some of Kobe Prentice's reps. So it seemed like if he was injured that whole time, and then he got healthy and started taking reps away from a player that was playing well, the coaching staff must have thought well of him. You know, maybe he could have gone into the spring in Alabama and recaptured that slot position and what have you. And But anyway, he enters the transfer portal. He goes to TCU. Is TCU the best landing spot for him? I Like, could he have gone to a, a place with, you know, more solidified quarterback play and, and really been a primary guy? I think so. Um, but he, I mean, I had him as like wide receiver number nine. At one point, and I have to move. I mean, he's going to move way down, especially with the incoming freshmen. I we haven't seen, we haven't seen anything close to what to what that dude can be on the field. We just we just haven't. Um, but at this point, he's got to be a faller for me. So because we're talking about T, we're talking about TCU. I got to throw in JoJo Earl there as being a faller. He fell a little bit for me as well, but. I still have him ranked fairly highly. I think he's hanging out like right around 20 for me. Um, but I actually have him listed as the player to most improve to prove most the player with the most to prove in the spring. Uh, I think it's him and Jordan Hudson um, kind of hand in hand, but more Jojo Earl because that wide receiver one role in that offense is going to open up with Quentin Johnston yeah. gone. Um, and they also lose um, Davis, I believe, as well, who was like the and, number two guy. And Tay Barber, who entered the and transfer T- portal today. So, like, that's what I was going to say, JoJo Earl, for me. Like, that's why I'm actually all in on him, because we've seen Sonny Dykes. Like, if you go through, I, I went to pull it up just to be on the, just to, to double check it here. You look at what he's done the past couple of years, and, like, his top wide receiver is getting 20% or more, more reception market share in the offense. The next best guy is getting right around 13%. That's a pretty big difference. I think that's going to be JoJo Earl. There's nobody there. Like, he's, he's come healthy. in, and he's – yeah, if he's healthy, he's the guy. And, again, you get possibly a Walker Howard, who I think is a step up over Max Dugan as a as a quarterback. Like, I think JoJo Earl has a chance to have that season we were all hoping he was going to have at Alabama. Yeah, I like I said, I agree. He's player with the most to prove in the spring for me here. Uh, my last faller is Ali Jennings uh, transferring from Old Dominion to Virginia Tech. Now he transfers up a level um, from G5 to P5, but I don't like that Virginia Tech offense. I don't think that's very good uh, offense. He's not going to have that same production. I don't know if he's an NFL guy either. And if he is, he's probably like a late pick, like a sixth round guy. So uh, if you have him on your team, big faller there, that definitely takes a hit. Um. I hit my most approved in the spring here, Matt. You can hit yours, and then we'll hit the yeah. sleepers, and we'll get the people out of here as we approach a two-hour mark. Uh, so my most improved is uh, kind of the same thing as you. I'm hitting it. I'm I'm not hitting one player. I'm going to hit an entire room, and it's the Alabama wide receiver room. Mm. Jacory Brooks, I think, is locked in as probably the alpha. So we're I I'm, I still have questions about him, but I think he's the only safe one right now. With possibly Ty Simpson being the quarterback. What does Isaiah Bond, Chaz Preston, and Malik Benson do? Who are they? What are they going to be in this offense? I think that whole room has a ton to prove this spring season. Who's going to be in what position? Who's going to the slot? Who's moving to why? Like, 
there's so many questions about this room, and I think we have no idea of what the answers are going to be. That is my most improved for the spring. Like, and, and especially because you mentioned, you know, I expect it to be Ty Simpson as well at the quarterback position. But if these wide receivers play the way they did last year, I think Ty Simpson's in for a rough season yep. because I don't think he's anywhere near what Bryce Young was this past year. And we saw how much he had to carry this off. Whoa, whoa, like whoa, 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 wait. Who's gonna be well, who's gonna be the quarterback? We expect it to be Ty Simpson, and so does Vegas. If you look at the odds, he's at like <laughs> what was it, plus two thousand to win the Heisman and 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 Milrose at plus fifty thousand. Nobody's so, expecting Milrow to be the quarterback. We're okay. We're getting into the same CJ Stroud, uh, Kyle McCord thing here. Jalen Milrow has been there longer, much longer. Yeah, but he sucks. He's- but <laughs> the big difference on what those is Jalen Milrow can't pass the ball. I know it was only two games. You, okay, you think size, he's going to have a bad spring? Because last spring we were talking about, oh, look at Jalen. Remember what Jalen Milrow did point. last spring? I think so. That's so, true. but here's the difference. Nick Saban is not afraid to not go with a younger player. We saw him bench Jalen Hurts in the national championship for two. We also saw him bench Bryce Young for a year. Yeah, for Mac Jones, but that worked out. I mean, in a massive way. I don't know that Jalen Milrow is going to work out that way. Look, I'm not saying that Jalen Milrow won't be the starter. I mean, Vegas clearly thinks it's going to be that. You don't have that big of a difference if you think it's even close. I don't think Jalen Milrow helped himself at all in those two games. He was much more of a rushing threat. But regardless, even if it's Jalen Milrow, like this wide receiver room has got to prove that they can help their quarterback. And right now, I think there's a lot of questions about it. Jalen Milrow succeeded last year in the spring. And the reason why he wouldn't this year. Again, like when we when we when they start winter workouts, when they start spring camp, Jalen Milrow is going to be the starter. And he so he would get, have the first crack. He's going to get the first crack. And I don't, I don't have any, like, I think Ty Simpson has to, he has to play, you know, that much better than Milrow to, to get that position because, you know, Milrow is going to have familiarity. He has the game reps, everything you said about Kyle McCord, that all that stuff applies to Jalen Milrow, even though he hasn't looked great. He's going to look great in the spring, just like he did last year. Right. Practice. But I, I also I, I think there's not as big a separation with those though. Like I think it's it's not um see, I don't know how how to word it because that's not gonna be the right example. Jalen Milrow might start the year. I think Nick Saban has no issue benching him the minute they lose the game. And then see, we'll see Ty Simpson. I was mocked and ridiculed a few months ago where I said we might be seeing the end of the Alabama kind of thing especially offensively because well Jalen Milrow's not a prolific passer and Ty Simpson you know he's more of like a Johnny Manziel type I remember I said this on both better sports and David debate mocked and ridiculed you know all the blah 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 but I just I, I don't know that I don't, I don't know that I don't know that either one of those quarterbacks whoever starts is going to be able to support the skill positions the way to a tongue of Villaloa did the way Mac Jones did the way Bryce Young did. I don't know if, yeah, I think it's fair to say that those wide receivers aren't the same either though. And that's the question I have coming into spring. None of those, like when you're talking about Ja'Cory Brooks being your best wide receiver and the questions we have about him, you're in trouble. You need Isaiah Bonchez, Preston and Malik Benson to show you something in spring right now. And that that's why they're my biggest group to look at right now. I think that's fair. I, I, it's going to definitely be something to, to keep an eye on there, but I, I kind of tend to side with 
with Matt here where I think Jalen Milrow is going to get the first crack at it. And you're absolutely right, Felix. He did look great last spring. That's a, It's an environment where he tends to shine. But I think Ty Thompson also is the type of guy who's going to shine in that type of an environment. I think he's going to keep it close. Ty Thompson hasn't shined in any environment. Ty, 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 Ty Simpson. Simpson. Ty, you're right. Ty Thompson has not. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Ty, Ty, Ty Thompson's freshman season, he did look okay in the spring game. So <laughs> that's the last time. That's the last time he looked good. Uh, right. So my sleeper. Uh, and I, I feel like I've mentioned him before, but uh, I'm going back to it. The 6'3", 200-pound wide receiver out of Colorado State, Justice Ross Simmons, had a oh. really good year this year as a freshman. I think he's got a shot to be the one in that offense, an offense that you know we were very high on as a company here with Clay Millen and, and uh, what was it, Norvell going over there to that. We thought they were going to be really good, right? We thought, hey, this Colorado State offense is going to be really good. That offensive line was horrible. I mean, they were letting, you know, if, if the defensive line blew on the offensive line and they were falling over, it was that bad. But I think that it's going to be a little bit more improved this year. And Justice Ross Simmons, while did not go over 100 yards at all in any game, continued to get more and more targets and more and more receptions as the season went on. He finished with a 19.3 weighted dominator rating, which ended up being fifth among his class and a 12.81 reception market share which was ninth amongst that class i think he's got a shot to be the number one there as well with dante Wright transferring out they just don't have a lot in that room i think he ends up becoming clay millen's guy and this is realistically a guy that i think you can get as like literally your last pick in c2c draft so he is my sleeper for the year to have a good season that's interesting i, I like that name um colorado state was not a great team this year but they do have uh, uh, Nor Jay Norvell does have a good track record there, so maybe they can get that turned around here. Um, my biggest sleeper of the year, or my biggest sleeper right now here, is uh, Dakari Collins, uh, wide receiver formerly of Clemson, now has transferred to NC State. Uh, when he was coming out of school, he was in his junior year was in the top classification in Georgia. He had a really good year there. Um, transferred his senior year, but he was a four-star guy. Um, came in there and just kind of got lost in the shuffle with all of these other big body, same archetype wide receivers that Clemson recruits over and over and over again. Collins is 6'4", 211 pounds. He's big guy, plays on the outside, plays the X. Going over to NC State, he gets to pair up with Brennan Armstrong um, or MJ Morris. Either one of those two, I think, is a solid quarterback capable of sustaining a wide receiver for, for CFF production here. Dakari Collins also gets Robert Anai, the uh, offensive coordinator formerly of Syracuse, formerly of Virginia, who just produces high-end fantasy offenses for the college side. And uh, earlier this week, or late last week, uh, NC State's um, 24-7 page released a too early, too deep. Uh, and they had Dakari Collins projected as the X wide receiver already. Um, they said in the article they lost two of the top three outside wide receivers, um, which includes Thayer Thomas and um, Devin Carter. So Dakari Collins already might have that role locked up here by the way things sound. I think he's the most talented wide receiver on that team. He's in a good offense with a, with a solid quarterback. Uh, I like him a lot for CFF purposes. Maybe not necessarily for the NFL. He does have the uh, alpha size. He is a little bit limited athletically, which might limit him in the NFL, but I think he could have a really nice year. 
I like it. All right. Well, that is going to do it for us here tonight. We're going to get the people out of here just under two hours, which anytime we get Matt. You should get Felix, a prize if you made it this far. <laughs> uh, this, anytime we get Matt and Felix together and me, I'm also very long winded. It, it's going to it's going to be a long show. But I uh, appreciate you guys filling in here for me or for, for Austin this week. I said that was my bad. He did tell me he was not going to be here. And last minute, you guys step up like you always do. So thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, tune into the rest of the pods here on our network this week. Wait, wait, uh, Colin, wait, wait. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. We should have people should tweet something at Alfred if they made it this Alfred? Far. I don't know okay. what. Um, what emoji? Matt, give me an idea. Oh man, I don't know. Uh, how about this? Uh, is, does it have to be an emoji? How about no. the the if it has to be an emoji? How about the stock up emoji? Because someone hasn't touched their rankings yet. So let's let's oh. let's uh, do like a a stock up or down emoji at Alfred. Okay, there we go. If you are still listening, if you've made it to almost a two hour mark, and which we are about to go over now here, tweet the stock emoji at Alfred um, at Alfred JF on Twitter. Stock up emoji. Uh, I love that game. That's one of my favorite games that we play. But thank you again, guys, for filling in. Appreciate everybody for listening this far. Two hours is is a chore uh, of a listen. But thank you, guys. And we will be back later in the week with Canton Bound coming at you on Thursday. Have a good one.